where's the best place to buy tires? Where's the best repair shop for my hybrid? Questions about your car? Drive into Dobbs. With more than 40 locations, our team of technicians will get the job done right the first time. For deals you can use, click on gotodobbs.com now. For over two decades, E&B Granite has been St. Louis's trusted name for kitchen, bathroom, and outdoor space renovations that are guaranteed to bring new life into your living spaces. Their skilled team will provide you with personalized customer service, fast turnaround times, and prices you won't find with big box stores. Support local and schedule free consultation at enbgranite.com or call them at 314-645-9300 or better yet, stop by the showroom and explore their massive inventory. Again, that's enbgranite.com. Time now for the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's get nasty on a Tuesday. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. Carrie Davis, Andrew Marsh, and Anthony Stalter. 201, your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an official Rolex jeweler. Jamie Rivers is out sick today. So he will not be here today to break down uh, what we saw last night. What did we see last night? Not great. Okay. As the Blues lose to the Flyers. Mm. My, My number one takeaway from last night is that the Blues never got control of that game. They just stay just kind of chasing it the entire it's, game. It's, I don't know what you guys saw. It felt like the Blues were chasing it. Yeah. And it felt like Joel Hofer, the puck was exploding off of his body all night long. And he had some good saves. Mm-hmm. But he d- Jamie Jamie likes to talk about players, especially Jordan Bennington, when they're quiet yes. in the crease. Yeah. They're quiet. Joel Holford, that was not a quiet game for him last night. It was exploding off of him. It, it was bouncing everywhere, which leads to other opportunities for the opposing team to put the puck in the net. Sure. And, or your yeah. defenders to uh, get out of position. A lot of things, a lot of bad things happen when you don't. And we talked about it in the in the room, just saying there were times where it seemed like it was just going off of his glove and, and one bounce whiz right past his ear, mm-hmm. which allowed an opportunity to get behind him and, and to be tipped in. You want your goaltender to keep it quiet, as you said, not have a lot of rebounds, not have the puck moving in a lot of different places. And I agree with you. It felt like they were chasing that game often last night. Just yeah. when Sunquist scored, you're like, okay, maybe, maybe we, but then they give a goal. I felt like a minute and a half later, where you're like, come on. I don't even know if it was a minute later. Yeah, yeah it was about was, a minute and a half. It, it, was wasn't, it was right before the end of the period. It felt which like 10 seconds. It's extreme, which is probably more frustrating because what, what what do we talk about here? What are the the the, the main goals when you're in your zone? What, what What do we do? What do we need to do? Oh, clear it. Clear it. Yeah, clear the puck. Yeah, Kerry, thank you. Yeah. What do we talk about? I forget sometimes. I mean, Jamie just crushes that line of thinking all the time, (laughs) Kerry. I forget that you are with Andrew Marsh and I. I'm on board. For the clear it camp. Clear it. It's unbelievable. Yeah, you can't give up goals late in the period. That's like a gut punch. Now, I know the Blues did respond. They tied the game up. But... I mean, come on, guys. Like, you you just score a power play goal. The power play has been abysmal this year. It's been a lot better under Drew Bannister. It, so, been great if we want to take one positive thing away, it's that the power play did capitalize. And we talked about it with Jamie having guys in front, Oscar Sunquist screening Carter Hart, yep. ends up getting a rebound and puts it past him. Like, that is the things that that's the thing that you have to do on the power play, and they're executing that. So, that's a good thing. 
But the rest of the game, like, I, that's the thing. I just, I don't know what version of the Blues are going to show up every single night, even under Drew Bannister. I don't it, know that you know, they know. It's fair, though. I, I think it's fair to say that this team has played more consistently yeah. under Drew Bannister. For I, sure. Even even when I sit down and watch the Blues now, I feel like we're going to get a, a more consistent product night in and night out. In fact, the way that we reacted to that game last night, the three of us, and I'm sure Blues fans felt the same way, I was surprised with that performance last night. And I think that's a credit to Drew Bannister settling things. But ultimately, Marsh, you're right. The, 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 the problems with the consistency has been the big issue. Well, yeah, you beat the Rangers, who are one of the best teams in the league. You could have beaten the Boston Bruins, another great team. This whole stretch, they were playing great teams. They went 4-4-1 in that stretch. So if you want to take some positives from that, you played some of the best teams in the NHL, and you went basically 500. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you should feel somewhat comfortable, at least better than what you did before. Mm-hmm. But that's tough. Like, you play good hockey against some great teams, and then you play the Flyers, who are better than what they were last year, you yeah. know, playing good hockey, and then you, you, you have that kind of game. So, I don't know, it's just tough as a fan. Yeah. Any any concern? I mean, they they gave up forty two shots on goal again last night. Forty goal shots on yeah, goal. Yeah, they give up. Yes. That, that, I mean, that, <laughs> it's not great, Kerry. It's you know, not they, great. We talked about it a couple of games ago when they when they beat the um, the Rangers. Mm-hmm. They gave up forty two that game. They lost to the Bruins. They gave up thirty five. For me, earlier in the season, that was a concern for me because obviously, the more shots you get on goal, the more opportunities mm-hmm. for those goals to go in. I would prefer, man, again, I, I just think clear it and not allow as many shots on goal would lead you to having more opportunities to win games. It, it just, you're bound to give up a rebound when you're facing 42 shots mm-hmm. a night. Now, they did have opportunities. Carter Hart made some great saves. Jordan Cairo had a few opportunities, some great passes. So if you want to take some positives other than the power play, you, you could say that the Blues could have won that game, but... Philly's goaltender made some great stops. Yeah, he did. He came up. He came up big several times. But to to Carey's point, he had to make twenty eight out of thirty saves. Whereas Joel Holfer, again, not quite, not a great performance by him last night. Not quite in the mm-hmm. crease, puck exploding, all that stuff. He had to make thirty eight out of forty one saves. It's a lot. You're it's right. A, it's a lot. It's been a. It's been an issue. Yeah. It's been an issue all season long. And it, Marsh, you had pointed out, like Jordan Cairo got out of position on the one goal. You know he didn't pick he didn't pick up his guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the one where Holfer slipped and then took out Tory Krug too at the end of the play. There there's there are moments where there's still too many golden opportunities for opponents to get their shots off, get it clean, and then you know the goaltender doesn't come up with the, the second save. It's not even the first save; it's the second yeah. save. It, it, it's hard. I mean, you get a rebound and, and there's guys you know parked in front of your net. Chances are they're gonna they're gonna be able to tip it in. Yeah, and I get it. Like you know, Philadelphia they needed that win, especially the fans after their football team was terrible last night. So we can <laughs> yeah. give it to them. Yeah, they needed that win. I so agree. maybe the Blues were like, hey, you know, we know your team's not gonna show up, your football team. So we'll go <laughs> ahead and we'll give your hockey team a win tonight. Yeah, I hope not. You know, I hope not, Marsh, because we lost our football team. So if that's the case, every opponent should just yeah. lay down. Every football city. That also has an NHL team should be losing to us then at that point. Uh, one bit of news here. Nikita Alexandrov 
was recalled for from a conditioning loan. So Alexandrov recalled conditioning loan with the AHL Springfield uh, today. He picked up two goals and seven points during a seven-game stay with Springfield. At this point, not clear whether or not the 23-year-old who's gone scoreless through top 10 top-level appearances this year might crack the Blues lineup, but that that's just one note. The Blues take on the Capitals pregame starting at 5 o'clock tomorrow right here on 101 ESPN. That's not tomorrow. That's two days from now. That's Friday. They're going to be in D.C. Marsha, you talked about Justin Falk and, and him being back in the lineup. You were talking about his plus-minus. What do you say? Minus five? In, I think it's something like five that on five-on-five. Five. Yeah, we had that conversation. Anthony, you weren't here on, on Friday, but we did have that conversation with Jamie about whether or not He's he, in, yeah. yeah where, who you pair him with when he comes back? Exactly. Kessel was doing such a great job. Mm-hmm. And, and do you just stick him right back in there with, with Crew? So I, yeah, I don't know if they switch up the D pairings. Marco Scandella, who Jamie said has been playing well, and he has. Like I wonder if he gets back in the lineup. They start to shuffle some things around. Now their schedule gets a little bit easier. You have Washington coming up twice back, not back to back days, but you know you have a, a road and a home game for uh, for the Blues. So. I know we were intrigued to see what they did against these tough teams and they played fairly well. Now I think the the question is how can they do against some of these teams that aren't high up in the standings mm-hmm. because earlier this year they were not playing good hockey against teams that that did not have a good record. So yeah. I think that becomes the question now. Yeah. I, I think that's stre- I mean they went 3 and 3 against that that stretch that we were talking about, right? The 4-4 uh, four, four and 1 four, is, four what and one. is what I saw. I, the Vancouver, Cal- uh, Carolina, Florida, New York, Boston, Philadelphia. Yeah, so I, I started four, it from four, when they okay. when, when they oh, played you, Dallas. Got you. Okay. I mean, either way, that's still against really good teams. You're not going to win them all, right? But you didn't go oh seven and one. No, they, like you, you they've you, played you, better hockey. You, no. play, you have played much better since Drew Bannister has been there, and the power play is much better. Jamie yep. talked about the percentage. I think it was 20% since on Friday. I'm sure it's, it's gone up since then. So that's better. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you you we're greedy, right? We want to win games. We want to win championships, and you want to see your team performing at a at a high level every single night out. You'd also care, like, to see them gain some momentum here. Yeah. I mean, we you, you've won three games in a row. You've had one, two. You've had two winning streaks this year that's it that speaks to the consistency issue you've had one four game losing streak you've lost three of your last four now at some point you'd like to rack up some wins and get you know get on a nice streak or four or five wins yeah. then you can start to make some hayway in the standings here without that you're just going to be kind of keeping your head above water and that's right. that's it for now it's okay but at some point, they're going to make a run. It's Fastlane on 101 ESPN 211. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Would would you fire Nick Sirianni? No. Is he done? No. A lot of people met with that same disgust. What are they talking about? Let me ask you this, Kerry. What does he do? <laughs> Save it. We'll get into it next on 101 ESPN. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. So the way Kerry looked at me when I teased that last segment, I don't think he's going to agree with me, but I do think the Eagles should consider moving on from Nick Sirianni. 
And no, it's not just because of one game. I th- I had the Bucks last night. You guys know that. I said the Bucks are going to win this game. The Eagles are a team that we need to believe they're showing us who they are. And in the last month of the season, they showed us exactly who they are. They got trucked by the 49ers. They got trucked by the Cowboys in Dallas. They lost on a field goal by uh, to the Seahawks. They beat the Giants by eight. Lost the Cardinals at home when they had a decent lead. And then the final week, they started pulling some restarters, but they still lost in New York where they got de- they got destroyed. This Eagles team limped into the playoffs, and then they went down to Tampa, and they got rolled last night. They did. They allowed 337 passing yards to Baker Mayfield, who was dealing with rib injuries and an ankle injury. Then his own lineman stepped on him again at one point, and that was his good ankle that got stepped on. <laughs> Still performed well. Outside of Devontae Smith, the Eagles had nothing last night. They couldn't tackle. They were undisciplined. They didn't look they looked checked out at times. And I know that Sirianni got them to the Super Bowl a year ago. But there is one variable that has changed here. Two, in fact. They lost both coordinators. They did. They got worse this year. Eh. Jalen Hurts is still there. Yeah. It's not like he it's not like he's Mike Tomlin and he lost Big Ben and he's trying to figure it out. The first year under Nick Sirianni, he called the plays. It wasn't good. So he gave up the play calling. He had two really good coordinators last year. They made the Super Bowl. And then this year, they got worse when they lost the two coordinators. Could they, you see him being re- fired a year from now? No. A year from now? Yeah. Meaning next year? Yes. after Maybe after next year if they have even more regression, meaning they, they don't make the playoffs or they finish under five hundred. Nick Sirianni is 34-17 and 17 as a head coach. That's with six losses this year. That that's And those are six bad losses for the most part. That wasn't a, a good finish to the season. They finished 1-7 in their last, uh, last, seven, last eight games. That's not great football. Mm-hmm. But it also is not solely on the head coach. They haven't performed well. You talked about losing the two offense coordinators. I mean, the offense and defensive coordinator. That played a big role in who they were this year. Also being a year older plays a big role. The Super Bowl hangover. There are a lot of things that take place when you make it to the Super Bowl and are unable to win in the manner in which they did last year. We were talking about it, uh, Marsh and I, earlier today. The game plan that they had offensively was terrible, in Mm -hmm. my opinion. Because there's an easy solution to when a team is blitzing you and you're under fire in the way that they were last night. It's called run a screen. (laughs) <laughs> I, I I watched that game. I don't know. Maybe maybe some. I don't recall a screen to a running back or a wide receiver, mm-hmm. a tunnel screen. When you are constantly under duress, you throw the ball into the blitz and you throw a screen and it makes life easier. You know what the defense said? Oh, hell, we got to back up. We're right. going to get gashed. Because, yeah, we want you to blitz and we're going to slip out right behind you, dump it over your head and go get 25 yards or maybe 50 and a touchdown. That's what alleviate some of that pressure I didn't see that I didn't see them running the football so in terms of Nick Sirianni being a better head coach yeah he has to correct that because what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did last night is what they saw every other team before them do Mm -hmm. it is a copycat league if you can't stop the blitz guess what I'm gonna do I'm I'm gonna blitz you and 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 also even even with the blitz if you're not running screens 
in breaking routes. There's no one there, man. It's man-to-man. Beat your defender and get inside. You saw it with the Devontae Smith catch and run. That was a big play. The safety came down late. They blitzed the the, the DB off of uh, Devontae. He got inside, made a big play. He should have scored. Shouldn't get tripped up by safety. You got to score. But those are the things that they – so if you want to blame Nick Sirianni for that, Mm -hmm. because anybody with eyes should have been able to say, hey, man (laughs) – they bring in seven, and we only got six. Right. We got to figure something out. Throw a screen. Hell, throw it to the back on a free release to the flat. Give them something. But as a head coach, if you're unable to answer that question, that's problematic. That's not really on your OC. It is. But as a head coach, your job is to say, hey, what the hell are you doing? Absolutely. Do this. Because you have the final say in all things. So I don't think he'll be fired this year. Philadelphia fans, calm down. Mm-hmm. It's a bad season. It's a bad end to the season. It's a bad season, and they went, what, 10 and, uh, 11 and 6? It's mm-hmm. a bad season, right, because of how it ended. Yeah, but 10 and 1 at one point. Yeah, that's okay. We'll <laughs> focus on what we're talking about here. <laughs> don't look at this. Look at this is what I'm trying to show you. Gary, for five <laughs> minutes, you've, you've made my point. <laughs> but he doesn't. He won't be fired now. Again, 34 and 17 in three years. You don't fire him and start the process over thinking that you're going to find someone that can take you to the Super Bowl. Let me offer you, and Marshall, I want want to hear your thoughts on this too, but, Kerry, what you just said, you said you can't fire him, start the process over. Yeah. Why not? Because if you think... Go ahead. Because if you think he could get let go a year from now, Mike Vrabel's available now. Okay. Bill Belichick is available now. Yeah. Brian Flores is available now. Maybe Mike Tomlin's available now. Mike Tomlin. Jim Harbaugh is available now. There are guys available now. That may not be available next exactly. year. Exactly. So if you think that Nick Sirianni, if he's your guy, fine. But it, but this is one of these coaches that could be – this is unique now. This is a unique coaching cycle. This is not just eight hot coordinators – this is a legendary coaching cycle. It is. So if you if you forecasted a year from now saying, yeah, you know, Nick Sirianni could be one of those guys that gets let go, then you do it now. So what changed from last year to this year other than the coordinators leaving, in Nothing. your opinion? So then hire – so that's the same man that led the team to the success that they had to go to the Super Bowl, to mm-hmm. win the NFC, win the NFC North, uh, uh, East. Like they they did a great job. All season long last year. Right. They did a really good job for 11 weeks this year. But for some reason, people caught up to what they were doing or what they were unable to do. Right. The only thing that I think Nick Sirianni should do or should have done, tell your OC, we're going to hand the ball off to DeAndre Swift. Not RPOs. Because what happens when you give a quarterback a run pass option? He'll pass. He's going to pass, man. He's a quarterback. Why in the hell? Hand this damn ball off. You saw the Eagles have three or four offensive linemen penalties downfield. You saw them not be able to read the run or pass correctly and find people open. Don't give them the option. Run the football. DeAndre Swift had 10 carries. He had five in the first half. And two of those carries were for 17 and nine yards. Why in the hell aren't you running the football? Why aren't you? But and, and to me, that's on the head coach. Sure. Because your offensive coordinator and your team is a reflection of you. Mm-hmm. So he's still a young coach, in my opinion, only in his third year. Those are things that you correct. You talk to your OC, you talk to your DC. We got to be better in these areas. And if not, we will I will have to move on from you. But I don't think you move on from the head coach 
and start. What you do if you don't like the OC or the DC, you find guys that know how to get the ball to their playmakers, how to not worry about AJ Brown chirping because he's not getting sit down, man. There's only one football. It's a full team. We got guys here. We're gonna get you the ball when the play calls for it. Right. But you have to have people that are willing to have those conversations. I mean, that's just half the problem. Their offense, their defense was terrible, terrible last night. I don't care what their offense could have done because the defense couldn't tackle anybody. They were terrible. Mm-hmm. They weren't good. And those corners, the, I'll tell you what, too. Had the, had Mike Evans not dropped a sure touchdown. What there about was some Kate other, Otten? That guy dropped like Kate three Otten or four. Kate dropped one. I mean, right, right up the seam, he dropped one for what could have been a 15- to 20-yard pickup. Had the Buccaneers not dropped as many passes as they did in the first half, that's a blowout in the first half. Mm-hmm. The Eagles made an interesting heading in halftime, but at no point, we talk about this a lot, can you get control of the game? The Eagles never got control of that game. Not once. As soon as the Buccaneers drove down the field and kicked the opening kickoff, or I'm sorry, uh, kicked the opening field goal, mm-hmm. the Buccaneers were never not in control. Yeah. I thought that that game sort of played out like the Dallas Green Bay game Mm -hmm. where it felt like Dallas had no control of that game. They were always trying to come from behind. They couldn't get anything going. I thought that the Eagles, if they needed to change some things, they should have taken the ball like the Packers did and set the tone on the road, and they didn't do that. And then the Buccaneers went down. Now they did make a good stop. They kicked the field goal. It could have been way worse, but they just they had no control of that game. And to your point about Nick Sirianni, how do you not at least entertain the idea of having one of these great head coaches with a with a bunch of I mean, the resume speaks for itself for some of these coaches. How do you not at least entertain the idea? Sirianni does not call the plays on offense or defense. Mm-hmm. So he essentially is the CEO type. It's your job. Belichick is a CEO type. Vrabel is a CEO type. Tomlin's a CEO type. They have defensive backgrounds, but they're not calling plays. Which means you still have to get people to call the plays correctly. Correct. So Mike that Tomlin is essentially his job. Mike T struggled offensive play calling. He they, did. They, yeah. <laughs> we'll get to him. It hadn't been great. A couple minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> we just go right across the state. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. We got an interesting text here from the 314. Should the Dolphins move on from Mike McDaniel? Because every argument that you're making about the Eagles, you could apply to the Dolphins. No. Except the Eagles were in the Super Bowl last year. Incorrect. Mike Daniel. Mike McDaniel calls the plays. It's his offense. If I'm firing but him, it's his offense. It's the it, same they thing. They stunk against yeah. really good teams. They were bad down the stretch for two okay. seasons in a row now. Is Nick Sirianni, I'm sorry, is Nick Sirianni on the same planet as Mike McDaniel as a play caller? I know what I'm getting out of Mike McDaniel. That, I have that makes no idea worse, what I'm though. getting out of Sirianni. I, yeah, I think let's so. Go, let's go a different route, except for the forget the Dolphins here. Would you fire Mike McCarthy? Yes. yes. Why? The guy's had an unbelievable... Your, your point is, Nick Sirianni's got a great record. So does Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy's had a great record over his last three years, yet you guys are so willing to fire Mike McCarthy. Why? The Mike McCarthy calls the plays, and they yeah. stunk. And, Dak and Prescott has never been better. It doesn't matter. The, the biggest they, game of they, the year, they, they were terrible. As a team, they stunk. So did the Eagles. They did. They did stink. And so did the but Dolphins. I, <laughs> yeah. But, okay. I, I don't want Mike McDaniel fired. Out I like of all him. these games... The Dolphin, you could make an excuse for the Dolphins going to frigid weather. Everybody knew. Everybody oh, knew yeah. in America and the world. People who don't watch football said, 
that, that ain't gonna be that ain't gonna be good. <laughs> the Dolphins are gonna get their ass kicked. That's not a Mike McDaniel I problem. I don't think Mike McDaniel is gonna get fired. I think he's no. he's done a fantastic job, especially this past year. Like they did a really good job, except for when they played really good teams. You knew how that story was going to be written when they played teams above 500. They weren't going to perform well. And his 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 thing, it gets old if you can't beat good teams. Sure. Right? It, it, it will wear on people. The nice, funny, high. Yeah, you got to win games. Mike McCarthy, that was abysmal. That was a team, to me, when I watched that game, that looked like they said, oh, it's the Green Bay Packers. Man, they, they crawled into the playoffs. Man, they got a young quarterback. He's a first playoff game. And playing in Dallas, playing in AT&T State, playing in Jerry's World. We, we'll take care of it. And the Packers went out there and smoked them mm-hmm. from start to finish. Now, Dallas tried to get back into the game. Dak makes bad decisions when it counts most. Like, the pick he threw to Darnell Savage was a terrible decision the pick he threw to Jair Alexander was a terrible decision he couldn't find uh CD Lamb at all it's almost like they had some type of friction pregame I don't know what that was that wasn't great Philadelphia I don't blame Nick Sirianni solely for what took place I blame him for not correcting it Mm -hmm. but as a third year head coach those are some of the bumps and bruises you have to go through figuring out Hell, my OC don't know what the hell he's doing on blitzes when they bring when it's cover zero. But he doesn't know how to how to how to get out of this pressure. He doesn't know. He hasn't explained to our guys where the ball needs to be thrown. There were times where the blitz is coming from the right. Normally, you want to throw where the blitz is coming from. Hopefully, preferably having an in breaking route because there is no one there. He's throwing it to the left over Devontae Smith's head and falling away. If you're falling away, the ball is going to sail. There are so many things not done correctly in that game yesterday by the Philadelphia Eagles mm-hmm. that you have to look at the coaches and say, okay, you weren't prepared for this. Correct. And I don't know how you weren't prepared for this. It is on the head coach, but as a third-year head coach, it is on him to make sure that his offensive and defensive staff are prepared and know exactly what – and be able to correct it in real time. Mark my words. And and please, keep the text in. If you think that the Mike McDaniel situation is the same as Nick Sirianni, I vehemently disagree, but I'm open to your, I'm open to your thoughts on this. Because Mike McDaniel actually calls – I know what I'm getting out of Mike McDaniel. I have no idea what I'm getting out of Nick Sirianni at this point. But mark my words. The Eagles keep him, and he gets fired a year from now. There are going to be people saying that they should have done it this year because of who's available. It's, I agree. It's going to happen. He'll be okay. Mm-hmm. They'll win the division next year. Who, who's going to win? Is is Dallas when they get Belichick? Come on, no way, not happening. No way they're getting Belichick, or no way. No they're way they're winning the division with Belichick. With anyone, uh, it's fascinating. I want to want ESPN. <laughs> All right, let's get into uh, let's get into Kerry Steelers. Not a surprise yesterday, but Mike Tomlin walks off after a very appropriate <laughs> question that he had to know was coming. We'll get into him and whether or not. Maybe him and the Steelers just... We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Following his team's 31-17 loss to the Bills, Mike Tomlin was asked a question that he had to have known was coming. It was about his future. It was about his contract in Pittsburgh. 
And instead of answering it or declining to answer it or step over it or do the Bill Belichick thing, uh, does anybody want to talk about the game? Mike T just walked off. Kerry, he's your former head coach. You won a Super Bowl under mm-hmm. under Mike T. Obviously ticked off. His team just lost. But again, a, co- a question that he knew was coming. Do these frustrated just because of the game, the season, or do you think there's more here and both sides maybe mutually decide to part ways? Well, he's frustrated from the game, obviously. He's frustrated from the season. Um, and I guess the expectations of of fans that don't understand football, I mean, it's hard as hell to win when you have a great quarterback, an elite quarterback. They, they don't have that. They haven't had that since i mean the last 2 years of ben's career probably weren't yeah. that of the, an elite quarterback and he's a hall of fame quarterback but he he wasn't, he wasn't who he was prior to his last couple no. of years before his 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 injury i think it was his elbow he couldn't throw the ball more than he, 5 he feet he was unable to so it's hard to win football games they were on their third quarterback tj watt the best player defensive player should win defensive player of the year again didn't play minka fitzpatrick missed missed Plenty of time. He played uh, yesterday, this weekend, but he was he he missed time. They had a lot of things going on, and I'm sure it was frustration <laughs> because that's not the first thing you think about after a playoff loss, a crushing playoff loss, even though you weren't expected to win or favored to win, but you still feel like you could. Mm-hmm. That's a frustrating question to have to answer in that moment, and it's not something that you think about, and he, he walked off. Now, would Mike Tomlin two years into his career walk off if that was a question? No. But when you've been there and have that much credibility and have done as much as he's done in the National Football League, yeah, you can walk off and and, and not have to answer that question and deal with it at a later date. Yeah, he can, he can handle it however he wants yeah. to. I will say this, though. It wasn't an inappropriate question. And again, he... he I don't think it was inappropriate. Have, I mean, you, you're going to get asked that question. I don't think his response was inappropriate either. No, he could, again, he can <laughs> he could do whatever he wants. The the whole thing here about yeah I had mentioned with Nick Sirianni I think people disagreed with my take on on Sirianni and the Eagles moving on but the variables changed with Nick Sirianni yeah. the 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 one variable that that changed for Mike Tomlin was the quarterback situation like you said when he had and this is not unlike most head coaches we hear this all the time with Belichick when he had Big Ben it's a Super Bowl winner life's easier when you don't have Big Ben. He's still consistently either getting you to the playoffs. Now, they haven't, they haven't won a playoff game in a while now. But I also don't think the roster has been that good. Yeah. And when John Harbaugh, I remember this distinctly. The, there was a lot of, this felt this feels similar to the, the John Harbaugh situation in Baltimore. Before they got Lamar, mm-hmm. there was a lot of chatter about whether or not Harbaugh and his time in Baltimore was coming to an end. Right. They needed to move forward here. Flacco, ironically, because Flacco now came back and he looked he looked like a superstar before going to Houston last Thank Saturday. <laughs> but Flacco was done, and John Hart is like, "Hey, should they move on for Harbaugh? The game's kind of passing by. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just time." And then they got Lamar, and now you don't hear that again. It's amazing what a what an elite quarterback can do for everybody, the entire city. The point is, Kerry, <laughs> it's not like Mike Tomlin forgot how to coach. And I don't think I maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think his message has been has been stale. He's made mistakes. Matt Canada is a huge, but that's on him. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be a CEO type and not call plays, we just have this conversation about Sirianni. You got to get your coordinators yeah. right. And he held on to Canada way too long. Yeah, but he needs needs a quarterback. He needs to figure out some of his hires. 
but that, but then I could I could definitely see him still making a deep a deep run here with the Steelers again. I agree. I, I think, Unless he's fed up. Well, I don't know if he's fed up. I think the team has shifted. Like I got to when he first got there, he had players on that roster that were older than him, right? And so there's a level of maturity in that locker room in comparison to what I think is there now. I mean, you watch uh, George Pickens pout and, mm-hmm. and and not block. You watch uh, Deontay Johnson do the same thing. You see these things happening. Score a touchdown, down three touchdowns. And 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 when you Dance. are are not able to corral the guys in the manner in which you should or guys aren't self-motivators in terms of the team, I think that wears on you and frustrates you. And I think that's kind of where this team has gotten. They, they've gotten away from – and I hate to sound like the old back in my day. You know, we used to – I hate that because <laughs> I hated it when people would say it to me when I was playing. But there is a level of understanding and maturity that comes with being a professional athlete. And I think at times, not just the Pittsburgh Steelers, but a lot of – current players at times don't show that and don't have that. And so you have to find ways to make sure that these young people are being professional, taking care of their business, and it helps. It helps to have a great elite quarterback. I don't know if Kenny Pickett is going to be that. I thought he would. I thought he was going to be a really good quarterback. I've told you that. I I thought that they were going to have a really good season this year. Hadn't looked great. Mitchell Trubisky, definitely not the answer. Mason Rudolph, you probably got the best you're ever going to get out of Mason Rudolph the three games that they won, and then he turned back into a pumpkin because mm-hmm. Mason Rudolph he's just— He's Mason Rudolph. He's Mason Rudolph. No offense to that guy, you know, but he's just not an elite top-tier quarterback because if he was, guess what? He'd have been starting, and they never would have drafted Kenny Pickett. Right. So that's where they are right now. They have to find a quarterback that takes the pressure off of that entire team and is a great quarterback. He don't have to be a first-round guy. Doesn't have to be a top-ten pick. Doesn't have to be Caleb Williams. But you got to find somebody mm-hmm. that can be an elite quarterback and can grow into that role. Yeah, I agree. One last thing on this. So, Tomlin, I, I thought I, I don't understand why Mitch Trubisky got as many starts as he did this year. Because Rudolph looked better. He looked better down the stretch. Trubisky was costing you games. Yeah. When they made the decision to go with Rudolph, then they started to pick it up, and that's how they squeezed into the playoffs. So, yeah. I don't know what they were watching at practice. But this does go – like Tomlin, if he's going to stay, and I think he should. Yeah. He's Mike Tomlin. I know what I'm getting out of Mike Tomlin. Right. I don't know what I'm getting out of Nick Sirianni. Tomlin, I know. So can you get a quarterback and can he get these coordinators right? He's got to figure out what to do offensively because yes, there's an issue there. There is an issue. A huge issue there. They have to be better offensively. Um, and it starts up front being able to block, being able to protect guys and, and keep them off of your quarterback. And then, like you said, having a quarterback that knows – where the ball should go. That interception, you're in that game in Buffalo yesterday, and then Mason Rudolph throws the pick in the end zone. Mm-hmm. Like, you scored there. You're, you're, I think the game is tied. 14-7. Would it have been 14-7? Yeah, because I think they the Bills went down and made it 20, 21-7. 21. It would have been, I think it would have been 14-14. I thought I it was mean, maybe. Four, I thought it was 14 nothing when, it when they got the interception. But either way, you, 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 change the trajectory of the game mm-hmm. when you throw an interception, throw an interception in the red zone. You can't do that. It's an out route or an outbreaking route to the sideline. The ball needs to be outside. Yeah. It cannot be left inside. And those are the things that you get from quarterbacks that aren't. Mason Rudolph. That, well, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. You took right. the words right out of mouth. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN. What's trending is next. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time to find out 
What's going on in the sports world with What's Trending Now. Brought to you by Goodwill. Donate a car and get tickets to the St. Louis Cardinals. Welcome back to the Fast Lane here on 101 ESPN. Anthony Stalter, Carrie Davis, I'm Andrew Marsh, and it's time for What's Trending. Before we get into what is actually trending in sports, Anthony, there was something that happened on Friday that we need to share with you. FedEx Colton from our text line reminded us to share this bit with you. I think it might make your day. And our first star of the day. Texted in by FedEx Colton, and we all agree, Anthony Stalter. Oh, yeah. I did it! Hey. Hey. Where do you have to say Where for it? Where's, where's he at? So. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, Thanks, FedEx he Colton. He said he was going to grab something to drink. When did he leave? He didn't come back. Uh, so, full disclosure, um, I was not feeling oh. good. Uh, on Friday, I have never left a show in the middle of the show. I I started feeling kind of rough in the three o'clock hour, and I I was hanging on. We had a lot of football to talk that yeah. day, so I didn't really <laughs> want to go home. Um, there was a blues segment at four fifteen that I can't tell you what was said because I was concentrating on not throwing up. And now that we got these cameras here, you didn't want to definitely yeah. didn't want to puke in the snake pit. See it. So I just held on for dear life, and then once we got <laughs> once we got once we got into the break, if you go back and listen to the tease, it sounds like I'm trying not to throw up. Oh man! And then as these guys can attest, I I put my headphones down, I took the mic muff off, and I said, uh, "Hey guys, I gotta go home. Yeah, I don't feel great." You you missed your first star though, Anthony. I missed my first star. Yeah. I did. I I feel bad, I, but I do appreciate appreciate that, Colton. <laughs> Yeah, I went to, uh, I, I texted my wife, Kristen, who was picking up the kids at the time from school, and I said, hey, I'm leaving the show. I don't feel good. I'm going to go right upstairs. I, I laid down at 5 o'clock and did not get out of bed until the final, the next morning. Mm. I don't know if it was food poisoning or whatever, but I had the body aches. I had everything. It was rough. Room was spinning. Glad you glad you made it out. Thank you. Before, uh, I appreciate that. You know, Carrie, too, Carrie, Carrie texted me. I didn't get it until the next morning. But I was worried like, about Man, you. Okay, bud. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Right. You don't normally leave when there's football to be <laughs> no. talked about. Everything okay? I appreciate that, Gary. Well, yeah, at least uh, we didn't tell everybody that you went to the bathroom for three hours. Very true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We did that to Marsh at one point. Marsh was calling calling one of his games, one of his hockey games, and uh, we said he was in the bathroom. Yeah. He left. He le- left after an hour or something like that, mm-hmm. and we just get, said he he's in the bathroom. He's in the bathroom. But our, <laughs> this is how great our listeners are too. Our listeners kept saying, hey, does somebody want to check on Marsh? He's been in the bathroom for a long time. And we're like, no, he's fine. He'll be all right. Don't worry about it. He's good. Yeah. Oh, my legs, uh, if that were the case, my legs probably went numb. Yes. I couldn't walk. <laughs> Sitting down for so long. Uh, happy birthday to a Cardinal legend. Brendan Donovan. Today's his birthday. It's also nice. Albert Pujols' birthday. Oh, um, no kidding. <laughs> but uh, Brendan Donovan receiving a lot of praise during the Cardinals' winter warm-up. What are your expectations for him for 2024? Be exactly what he was last year. Be that, that Swiss Army knife that can play second base, that can fill in in the outfield, that is a is a regular but will also not have, have a position. I hope he's the only one 
that doesn't have or that yeah the only one that yeah. doesn't have a, a steady position is That's he an everyday it well i guess not yeah. every day but he's, a he, he's gonna play 130 120 games absolutely somehow some more yeah yep if not more he could play like i said he could play second he could fill in we've seen him fill in anywhere yeah and if you're you know even at shortstop when mason win needs a break he can he can fill in there for a, a spot in the outfield, I think you can kind of move him around yeah. and, and be completely fine with, with him. What I don't want to see is Brendan Donovan on the move and Jordan Walker on the move and Tommy Edmond on the move and, like, have a more stagnant lineup. But if you want to move him around, I'm fine with it. Yeah, you need consistency. That was one of the things that irked the hell out of me last year, just not knowing when I go to work every day what my role is for that day. It's right. so easy. Like, if we were to come in here every day and draw ha- draw names out of a hat for where we were going to be, yeah, we would have a terrible show if you wanted me to run the board. You would not even get on air. You win. I'm like, Marshall, what do I push? Push that one. I, every button. I, now. You're like in an elevator. <laughs> <laughs> It's just having the consistency and knowing what you're doing every day. No doubt. Makes your life easier. I mean, if Kerry was on the board, it'd probably lead to like a forearm injury. Oh, yeah. Trying to click the buttons. <laughs> Are you saying he's not tough or in shape? No, I'm just making a I'm just making a Brendan Donovan joke. Nice. I'd be pushing every button. We would be on air, but I don't Somehow. know. Somehow. Somehow. <laughs> we might be on air too much. There you go. Yeah. The board can be intimidating. Up. Yeah. Uh, last thing here, Jason Kelsey told his Eagle teammates that he is retiring. Are you surprised by this, or do you think it is time for him to hang it up? No, I'm not surprised at all. I think he's a first-round, first-ballot Hall of Famer, one of the best centers to play. Who uh, are you talking about that? Highest level. I mean, yeah. he's 30. What is it? Would you say, Marsh? He's 34, 35? Uh, I didn't say that at all, but oh. he is 36. <laughs> Thank you. 36. He's 36 years old. So, but he's still playing at a high level. He yeah. could play another season if he wanted to. But, Carrie, you have said this before. Once you start to once you start to talk about retiring, it's you're, time to go. It's mm-hmm. time to go. And he I, he started talking about retiring two years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when you start, when you allow those those thoughts to creep into your mind, <laughs> you're already retired. Yeah. Mentally, you are. You. It's it's nothing else you can do because physically mentally it takes so much to get up for a season for a training camp for practice for workouts for training once you start saying you know i could take the day off you are mentally tapped yeah and it's I, about time i wonder how much the tush push really you know took a toll on him <laughs> sure i mean he's getting low he's getting yeah beat up he's Hammer. the last you know he's the guy on the bottom of the pile every single time yep you got like you know roughly 15 people on top of you give or take not great no yeah. that can't feel good did you guys watch the kelsey who was it on hulu i think Kelsey's. i think it was on amazon prime amazon i did prime. watch it I really it was, good i thought it was really good it's a good it's good insight into an athlete at the end yeah and carrie you, i know you went through this too you you tell the story about being in tampa and going to a restaurant and ordering like a double cheeseburger and, and say, a beer yeah yeah this i knew it was it. over and then looking at other, you know, I know you did some acting, uh-huh. and then you're, you, you got into media yep. and coaching and all. That's got to be a scary proposition for guys. I saw Dunk go through it too. It's one of the scariest things, making that transition. And you don't want to sound I, I, you are a professional athlete. How is that scary? It, there is a the the fear of the unknown. I mean, even as much as getting a doctor, I never had to get a doctor. I'm 31 years old. Yeah, because from birth to 18 my mother did yeah from 18 to 22 the university of illinois did sure from 22 23 to 30 plus 
whatever team I was on did. I never even thought about I that. I didn't know how. I didn't know. I was like, man, my knee hurt. I need to go to the. I don't even have a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I better get a physician. What do I do? Yeah. <laughs> Where do I go? By the way, the Eagles, real quick, this is another issue for them, too. Jason Kelsey retired, set to retire. Fletcher Cox is an unrestricted free agent. Brandon Graham is an unrestricted free agent. Shaq Leonard is an unrestricted free agent. They've got some guys that uh, DeAndre Swift, who they acquired from Detroit this past offseason. They've got guys, they've got a lot of guys that have either been there for a while or made an impact this year yeah. that they're going to have to make some decisions on, and they're paying Jalen Hurts now. Things are about to change quickly. This is this is why when you have an opportunity, and the yeah. Eagles knew it, boy, you gotta win. You have to. And they lost. And you you mentioned the Super Bowl hangover. I think the Super Bowl hangover exists for the losing team. Oh no question. I think it's the I yeah. It's it, a it's, it's a real it's, thing. It's real for yeah. the for the teams that that lost. That's why what Buffalo did in the nineties is so it's impressive. Incredible because to go four times. And and to suffer defeat and get up and do it again and again and again it it, it is so impressive. Yeah. Doesn't get talked about enough, but it was extremely impressive. Even though they didn't, they were unable to actually win one. No team has no it's team hard. has done it since. Yeah, to it's go hard. to four straight Super Bowls. It's hard. All right, it's fascinating on one on one ESPN. The Cardinals seem content with this roster. I mentioned about I mentioned last uh, about last Friday. Wanting to throw up. I want to throw up now just thinking about the Cardinals being content with their roster. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Well, our goal is always to win, right? But that... You know, if I if I come up here and say it differently, that's terrible. But the the fact is, is like you, you got to get to October before you can worry about winning in October. And you know, I think for us, we feel like you know we're going to be able to compete in the Central, and expectations are high. So you know, I think when you look at our, like how we played last year, a lot of things didn't go right for us. Um, we're certainly believe in this team. We believe in our everyday club. And, you know, a lot of these younger guys that got some experience last year, I think that'll serve them very well in 2024. That was Cardinals president of baseball operations, John Mozalock. It's a fast line on 101 ESPN 304. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Super Bowl champion Kerry Davis and Andrew Marsham, Anthony Stalter, Jamie Rivers out sick today. I saw this quote by Mo, and I just th- – th- this is where my frustration comes in. I – Cardinals fans can be frustrated in different ways. There's there's always a group of Cardinals fans that get frustrated about the lack of spending. Mm-hmm. And I've always said that's not that's not a Mo thing. That's no. a DeWitt thing. That's an ownership thing. And the owner can they can they can spend their money how they want to. And they're really good owners. They could fi- they could set their budget. They're they're allowed to make a, a profit. All that stuff. So I don't hold the spending against Mo, Carrie. Right. The decision making on the spending is Mo. Yes, and I think he said hits, and I think he said misses, just like every president has in all of Major League Baseball. Does he have more hits or misses? I think it's about fifty-fifty at this point. If you look back over the last five years or so, it's not as bleak as I think a lot of people make it out to be. Mm-hmm. But fifty—I think it's—I think it's more fifty-fifty. Where I get frustrated is when they get content. My opinion, 
they get content. And when I read, we're pretty excited about where our roster is from where we were on October 1st to where we are today. That's Jets' John Mosellock. There's been a lot of roster churn. We've brought in a lot of new faces, and we've been strategic about it. As we sit here on January 13th, I, I, are there some things that could happen? Of course. We're going to keep looking and see if there are ways to improve this club. Overall, I feel good about where we are, but we know there's some work to do. You're, I don't, to some degree, Carrie, it really doesn't matter what Mo says. People are going to be frustrated. <laughs> True. Like, let's just acknowledge that. People are going to be frustrated no matter what the man says. Yes. Unless he says, I'm going to walk away at the end of the year if we don't win a World Series. People are going to be frustrated by it. It's about your actions. I don't care what you say, but your actions lead everybody to believe that you like your roster, and it's not good enough. Well, he said he likes the roster better than what they were October 1st. How were you on October 1st? You were terrible. A slice of terrible. You were terrible. So you would hope, and, and, and to his defense, I don't think Mo lies. He just doesn't answer it in the way that you would want him to. Like, there is no lie in what he's saying. He does believe that this roster is better because it is. I mean, Adam Wainwright had had a rough year last year, right? He was not good for the majority of the year. You upgraded that with some guys. Yeah, Jack Flaherty wasn't great last year. You upgraded it with some guys. Miles Michaelis wasn't great. You you hope that he's better. So overall. Compared to where they were, relatively speaking, yeah, they are a better team than they were last year. Are they better in the terms of 89 losses as opposed to 91? I don't know. That's better, though, isn't it? It's not a lie. (laughs) That's not a lie. They could be better. They could win third in the division and not fifth. That means they are better. So it's not a lie. And I think that's the part that when, when Mo talks, you have to really dissect what he's saying. He, he, he does feel like this is a better team. Are they better enough to win the division? I don't know. I don't know that they are better enough to win the division next year. I still think that there's some pieces that are missing or lacking for this team to be better. And I honestly think that some of the players on the team probably feel that way as well. You talked about 50-50. I would give them 60-40. Just based better on the moves, fact— Better moves than, than, than worse moves? Yeah. Based on the fact that you got two future Hall of Famers, and you don't know if Sandy Alcantara is going to be a Hall of Famer, you don't know if Zach Gallen is going to be a Hall of Famer, you don't know if if those guys that left, you know, are going to be Hall of Famers. So what you have done, yeah, you you got some guys that are future Hall of Famers and are going to be, you know, Cardinal Hall of Famers at some point as well. Mm-hmm. He's done a great job in that regard, but it just frustrates Cardinal fans when you don't get a direct answer. We want direct answers. We don't want, you know, saying things that that mean something else or, or sound in a different way. You want a direct answer. Look, this is the best we could do. We got the three guys that I think are going to help our team be better. Look, we were terrible last year. If he were to say this team is better than it was last year because we were terrible last year, just saying that would change the mindset of fans. Now, when you say it in the way he said it, it's like this guy's trying to – trying to get one over on me mm-hmm. so it's just the way that he speaks that I think comes off as as lack of concern or care for Cardinal fans I think what's concerning is that the expectation if you had to set a bar like the the, the bar is set low when this yes. organization the bar should be set high 
Like that is what this organization should be. They talk all the time. Well, we got all these fans coming through the gates, you know, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, you do. You do. And because they expect this team to compete with the top teams in the league. But when you set your expectations low, what are you trying to play for? Are you trying to play for the division? Or are you trying to, to just get in? <laughs> hey, do you know what? They have he's, just got. They he's have, right. That's what they're trying to they do. They have gotten in, and their playoff record's terrible in the past decade. They're, other than 2019 when they went to the NLCS, they got swept by the Nationals. They, they, they've been terrible he, in the playoffs. Here's how I view. Because the expectations are set low. And it's like, oh, hey, we know we got past the expectations. Well, now it's just like, oh, it's just right. dessert. Like, and if we get it, oh, great. If we don't, well, yeah. we got the three million fans coming through every year. You're clearing a low bar I, I every year. I think Cardinal fans would be better served if they understood that the DeWitts are, it is a business for them. Mm-hmm. If you are in business, what are you in business to do? Make money. Make money. Now, after I make my money, if we win a championship, that is, well, hell yeah. But I want to make my money. That's what I'm here for. And in the process, we're going to spend, not overly spend. We're not going to be frugal. We're not going to be, you know, Pittsburgh Pirates or, or, or Tampa Bay. We're, we're going to spend, but we damn sure ain't going to be the Dodgers. Yeah. So we're going to find a middle ground and hopefully – the Pobo and the people that are in charge of finding these players get the players in here that actually do the job to the best of their ability. And then the players, which is the part that failed last year, do a better job because they didn't do a good enough job last year. Then go make your money somewhere else. Like if you're not going to have that competitive drive as a front office, as an as an ownership group, mm-hmm. then then go make money somewhere else. That is what the fans for the majority, are thinking. like That's why you have so many people on our text line saying that they want the DeWitts to sell the team. Now, I don't think they should do that, but I want my favorite team, I want that ownership, even if they're not going to win the World Series. Only one team can, right? And the odds of them winning every single year are very low, right? We see the Houston Astros and the Los Angeles Dodgers who have great ball clubs year in and year out, and they're not winning the World Series every year. Hell, the Mm -hmm. Dodgers only won one. It was during a a shortened season, but they're competitive every year. They have that mentality that they are going to try and be the best team in in Major League Baseball, and sometimes they come up short, sometimes, and one time they won, right, in the last 10 years, 10, 15, 20 years, but they have that that drive, and every single year those fans know that we have a shot. And I don't feel like we have that feeling here in St. Louis. How much of that is a baseball problem, though? Well, it's a St. Louis problem. Because how, much, it, how much of that is a baseball problem? Though? In terms because of when you, the, the spending, when you're allowed to spend above and beyond what other teams even make? Yeah, it's, a, it's problematic when there's no salary cap meaning I can spend more money if I have more money than you and am mm-hmm. willing to spend it. Yeah, I can do whatever the hell I want to do in comparison to what you have or what you're willing to do. And I think that's that's where Cardinal fans have to really sit back and digest that. It is what it is. Like, you cannot force someone, hell, I can't force you to go spend $20 if, I, if you don't want to, right? Mm-hmm. How, how can you force someone to spend $80 million extra? On top of what they're already spending, you can't force someone to spend the money that they have on something that they don't want to spend it on. 
then you have to be creative. You have to be better developing players. You have that to find part. ways to do it because other teams that do not spend as much as you do Correct. are finding ways to win. Correct. That that's, part. That's, that's where I'm at. That's the part. That's where I'm at. I don't care about the spe- I after I've been doing this now for I, I feel like I've had the same conversation every single year, almost every show for 10 plus years now about this spending. That's I'm not your it. fault, Anthony. That's not you. your fault. Thank you. <laughs> it's somebody else's fault. I'm over it. I'm over the spending conversation. I agree with what you just said, Marsh. The Tampa Bay Rays don't spend a lick. They they managed to to put competitive rosters in a stacked division. The Cardinals roster would not fare well in the NL East or the AL East. They would get crushed. They go to the West. They are a third-place roster, fourth if you're in the AL West. Mm -hmm. That is my issue. It's not the spending. It is the creativity of building your roster. And they flipped it now. They used to to have it right, and we all complained. But they had it right. Focus on pitching – Fill in the fill in the spaces with, with offensively. Right. Then they flipped that philosophy because of one series. It was the Washington National Series. The reason why they lost in 2019, we have had it wrong for years. We have said they have lost. They lost in 2019 that series against the Nationals that Marsh brought up. They lost because of their offense. No, they lost because of the Nationals pitching. Yeah. (laughs) Know how you lose, know how you win. And they lost because they thought of their offense. It was their offense. And we all fell in line for it. So what did they do? They invested offensively. They invested offensively in the draft and the trade market and everything else. And last year was the consequence of that. They have got to get the pitching right or none of this crap matters. Right. I don't care about the offense. I have seen weaker offenses than what the Cardinals are going to produce in 2024 win it all. Why? Because they shoved. That matters. It matters more than we talk about. <laughs> it's Fastlane on 101 ESPN. Are the Bills still frauds? Because guys like P- uh, BK, and I think, Kerry, you might be on this, this wavelength too. Are the Bills still frauds? Or they look like a different team right now. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Sold coming up in 10 minutes. So if you want to text into the air coverage service text line at 314 399 any are you sold comments, Carrie and I will uh, answer those. Carrie Davis, Andrew Marsh. Andrew Marsh got a little flow to him today. I mean, you hear this music? That was good music. I like like that. Do the builds look different to you guys? Or is it just me? Different, better or different? Different, better. Eh. Like different, legit, as opposed to just falling for a team that. Has won what five six games in a row now? Kansas City's going to win that game. So you're you're on the same path as BK and BK. While he's a Chiefs fan, he's ah, he's a Chiefs fan. Of course, he thinks the Chiefs are going to win. Yeah, my man will pick against the Chiefs right. consistently. If he does not feel that the Chiefs are going to win a game, if he doesn't like the matchup, if he doesn't like the injury situation, BK will say flat out, "I don't feel good about my team." Right. So he's not just some Chiefs homer. 
But he said the same thing. He goes, Chiefs by 10. Yeah, I, think I think Buffalo is a, is a fraud. I do, too. I, I haven't been on the Buffalo train all season long. I thought that they were – they've been up and down. They they got back up here lately. But beating that Pittsburgh Steelers team doesn't give me great uh, hope for Fair. them offensively or defensively. The Steelers didn't tackle anyone yesterday. Mm-hmm. They chose – they opted out of tackling yesterday. They, they, you know what? They went the Eagles route. Hey, I'm going to opt out of this tackling <laughs> for this this uh, wild card game. I don't, it's optional. I don't need to do it. That's what the Steelers did yesterday, and they paid for it. And it's not really, for me, anything that Buffalo did outstanding. They, they made some plays, but it was more so about what the Steelers didn't do defensively, turning the ball over, making mistakes. This Buffalo team just feels like – the team that, you know, they lost in the second round last year to um, Cincinnati. To, to Cincinnati at home. Mm-hmm. Kind of the same thing the Kansas City Chiefs, with all of their struggles, the fact that they were able to get that win last week in negative whatever degrees that was, that was absurd. They were able to get that win. Them going on the road for the first time in Patrick Mahomes' career, I think they beat Buffalo, as, as BK said handedly. I don't think it'll be as close as most people think. I have not been on the Buffalo bandwagon this season. I, I Regular listeners know I picked Miami to win the division. I, I came one game close on that, one game short on, on that, I should say. So I haven't been on Buffalo's bandwagon. I feel as though that once they lost Matt Milano and they lost White, yep. that they were in trouble. And for, for a while that they were. I still think they're in trouble defensively. They lost another linebacker yesterday. Bernard. Right. So yep. he And he got carted off, so yep. I highly doubt he's he's coming back at some point. Isaiah Pacheco, Mahomes, Rice. I've been more in the camp of the Chiefs still have enough offensively to overcome their issues than I think you have been. So I think Buffalo's in trouble defensively. But Kerry, offensively, Stephon Diggs had seven catches yesterday for 52 yards. He's going to get six to eight catches per game. That's just they're going to design ways as they should to get him the ball. But I think what Joe Brady has done since taking over the play-calling duties from Ken Dorsey, is he has spread the ball around. He has made Josh Allen more efficient, which has in turn made him more effective yeah. and doesn't put everything on him. And he has. we're seeing a better version. He had 203 yards yesterday. I felt like he had 500 yards. He spread the ball around. Dalton Kincaid. Uh, De- Deontay Hardy, yeah, and Hardy was only he had an expanded role because Gabe Davis was out. But but we saw Shakir make the big play. Dawson Knox had a touchdown. James Cook continues to be involved. I think this is a more effective Buffalo offense than the one that's like Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs. That's all you need. I think they're I think they're better overall. When I watch that, so we look at it from different lenses because when I watch that game, I see 14 points scored by Buffalo. One on a Josh Allen 52-yard run where the Pittsburgh Steelers said, I opt out of tackling (laughs) the Shakir touchdown. I opt out of tackling on these plays. Those are are 50 yards and a 30-yard play, I think it was, or or 15. That was was Mika Fitzpatrick, too, to miss that tackle. It's terrible. It was more about what Pittsburgh didn't do. And then you have the interception down there in the goal line. That's 21 points that I'm looking at where the game is completely different. I don't think Buffalo, for me, watching him, Gabe Davis not being there, he's your he's your guy that stretches the field. I love I love uh, the rookie uh, Kincaid. I, I think he's a really good guy. They Dawson Knox, I like him too. They got guys to get the ball to, but I just still don't feel like this is a team. 
and all of the injuries piling up on the defensive side specifically. Gabe Davis being out offensively, but all of the injuries defensively. I think they had two linebackers go down in that game. Mm-hmm. They are wearing thin on the defensive side. And you talked about Isaiah Pacheco. He's going to run the football. They're, they if, if the Kansas City Chiefs can commit to handing Isaiah Pacheco the football, I don't know what. I have no clue what Miami was doing defensively because it's only two guys going to catch passes on that team. I don't know how the hell nobody else on the defensive side knew right. that. So, but And one guy may drop it because he's still banged up. Well, Rasheed Rice is the one. He, he's... Yeah. And Kelsey was Kelsey. Kelsey does not. He's, he looks. He, he looks he, banged up a little bit. He's hurt. He's hurt. So the fact that I don't think that Buffalo has enough to stop Kansas City offensively, and I think the Chiefs have more than enough defensively to stop what Buffalo does. Can you can you get in the end zone though? Kansas City has had problems. Harrison Bucker has been their most effective offensive player because they've sent him on the field consistently. There was a, that was a field goal barrage again on Saturday mm-hmm. night, and right. the defense ever since. The Bills lost to Philly in Week 12. They have not given up more than 22 points in a game. I know you said that the Bills' defense is a little banged up, but, Anthony, that was your biggest concern about Mm -hmm. the Bills last season. Very true. Was that their defense could not stand up and make the plays when they needed to. And they've done a pretty good job limiting teams these past few weeks. I mean, they they limited Kansas City in Week 14 to 17 points. Dallas to 10 points. Yeah. Miami 14 points in the last week of the regular season. They've done a good job and then of course, you know, the the Steelers yesterday they they scored 17 points. So, I think if the Bills are going to win, their defense does need to come up big and obviously Josh Allen needs to limit the turnovers. La- yesterday, zero interceptions. I think everyone on the planet thought he'd at least throw one. Yeah. <laughs> he threw zero. He thought he was Did he not throw turn one. the ball over yesterday? Allen? No. Yeah. No turnovers? Mm-mm. He'll Mm-mm. turn it over twice next week. Oh, care. Right, like, it, wow. it doesn't go back to back games without turning it over. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'll tell you what, the, these matchups this weekend, I have less of a feel for. I felt really good about the wild card matchups. You yeah. guys know I, I took the Texans. I really like the Texans. I really like the Bucs. I called that last Tuesday. I said that the Eagles are going to lose that game. You did. Uh, the Chiefs, we all felt good about. I like the Packers. I didn't th- I didn't think they were going to win, but I thought that was going to be a shootout, and it was. And then, you know, I, I like the Lions and the close one. I felt really good about last weekend's games. This weekend, I, I think these are really interesting matchups. But I, I'm telling you right now, I, I'm leaning, I'm leaning Buffalo. I'm going, I'm going every home team except for Buffalo. I got, I mean, 49ers should beat up on the Packers, the Lions should beat the uh, the Bucks, and the Ravens should beat the the Texans. I think the 49ers hang hang 35 to 40 on Green Bay. Yeah, mm. this thing is going to be, it's going to be a, it won't be a close game. Shouldn't be. To Kerry's point about Josh Allen, Josh Allen not turning the ball over. So there's been only two games. This season, uh, well, actually, I'm sorry, one game, two games in the regular season where he did not throw an interception. Uh, the first one, they beat Las Vegas, and then the following game, they they crushed Washington. But the last time, Miami doesn't throw any interception. That was the first game. The next game, they lost to Jacksonville, close game, 25-20. to 20. 
And then the following that game. That was a weird game, too. The, the Jaguars stayed out in London. And mm-hmm. Yeah. They screwed up. The Buffalo Bills screwed they up. They showed up late. Yeah, no in, travel. No interceptions against Dallas. They won 31-10. to 10. The following week, they play the Chargers, and that's when they won 24-22. to 22. And he had he had a pick in that game, but that that was a bad Chargers team. Mm-hmm. If that's any other good team, perhaps they lose that game. And he didn't play well. To your to you guys' point, he didn't play well against Miami. Uh, don't forget, like he threw the interception in the end zone mm-hmm. early on. Then he he left the the play clock run right before halftime. It was really the, the punt return in the second half against Miami that propelled Buffalo. But again, I, I see I see a different Bills team. I like watching Kansas City. I, I have I have minimized their their problems throughout the course of the year, uh, but I do wonder if they they've met their match this Sunday. It's going to be a fun weekend in the NFL. Are you sold? Is next six five seven eight zero. Jeez, that's the old text line three one five. I've done that twice this week. Three one four three nine nine ninety six forty six is the Air Comfort Service text line. So if you got a question, if you got a comment for Are You Sold, you can leave it there. We'll play that next in the fast lane. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. NFL Network, and of course this this information's been out for a while, but NFL Live crew's talking about how the Falcons have interviewed Bill Belichick for the head coaching position. Look at that smile could on you ima- face. Could you imagine, though, he sits <laughs> he sits down, and Arthur Blank, with a, with, with a deadpan look in, mm-hmm. in his eyes, looks at Bill and says, was there ever a time that you overcame <laughs> big odds to get the job done? You have to ask that if you're Blank, and he, right? And he looks right at you and says, you know when. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You're hired. <laughs> You're hired. All right, are you sold? 314-399-9646, Air Comfort Service text line. If you want to participate in Are You Sold, we appreciate the text. All right, Marsh, lead us off. From the 314, are you sold? The cards are not NLCS contenders. Yes, absolutely. I've never been more sold on anything in my life. Nobody else in the division has done anything. They're not well, making well, it to the, the NLCS. Cubs. Oh, in the NLCS. I thought you said that's your said, right? You didn't say NL Central. That's all you hear now. NLCS. That's, that's, that's all you hear. That's not good. That's not good. No. That's all that matters. Not good enough. No, I agree. Yeah, not I'm even not, close. I'm not, so. not even close. Not, no. I, I thought you said NL Central. That, that, that's where my brain goes automatically because I, I, unlike other St. Louis Cardinal fans, have been trained to understand. That it's all about the central, baby. It's all that matters. It's all about the central. You've been brainwashed. You've been brainwashed. Okay. Trained. (laughs) Brainwashed. Tomato, tomato. (laughs) (laughs) Either way. No, they're... Yes, I have never been more sold on the Cardinals not being an NLCS contender in all my life. It's got a lot of good teams out there. One of them paid a billion dollars. You do not have enough top-end pitching. Sonny Gray was a really nice signing. And then... Yeah, nothing mean, else. He only pitches one day, one 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 every every fifth day, once every fifth day. One every five games. Yeah, yeah. Step that up. And go twice. <laughs> the Cardinals will be the National League Central sellers at the deadline. Anthony wow. NLCS right there. Who are you selling? Everybody. We, you know who. The Contreras? guy. Maybe the, you know who. Contreras. No. Oh. Hell no. Is it? I mean, he's the one that takes all the blame. Nolan Arenado. There you go. If you're selling, 
Yeah. Let me tell you something. I can see that. Listen to this. If the Cardinals come out and stink again this year, I think Nolan did a Nolan Arenado did Arenado did a really good job last year of keeping things to himself, mm-hmm. keeping his cards close to the vest about how he felt. Because that guy strikes me as a guy that is a psychopath in a great way. I want that guy on my team every day of the week because he he might snap at some point. Sure. In a good way, right? Yeah. He wants to win. He's done damn near everything else except what? Win, win. a championship. He wants to win. So if the Cardinals stink and he decided to not opt out a couple of years ago and he's realizing that <laughs> you didn't tell me the truth about what's going to go on, he will be looking for uh, greener pastures. But as Anthony would say, he's a part of it. Yes, 100%. He's part of it. He pitches? No, but he plays third base. He's on the team. You do make a good point, though, Kerry. So- <laughs> <laughs> you do make a good point. It's tough. Well, maybe you should. It's well, tough when you're down. When you're uh, down so nothing in the first inning. I thought that you're putting this guy a lot of money, right? Yeah. We need pitching. Anthony, you, and can't, you're not willing to you can't hit grand slams when there's no one on base, and you're down four rip in the you first. You can't hit grand slams in the playoffs. Well, you got to get to the playoffs, Anthony. And how do you they do did. that? Two years ago. Pitching. I, are you doing the thing I'm to me? Where I, I've been we're, saying we're for a year now. Page. Your pitching has been a problem. And I'm telling you, if they don't have a good enough record and they are sellers at the trade deadline, the, the, the young man that wasn't saying much last year is going to be very vocal. I think. The National I'm, League Central has been terrible in the playoffs as of late. And not, yeah. that's not just the cards. You could just say terrible. <laughs> well, as of late. You're right. As of late. Like, yes. that includes all the other teams. Yeah, Brewers, uh, the Brewers, do they have a run in the playoffs the last two years? No. Nah, it's not great. They traded a guy, too. They were pretty good. He's pretty good. He's still they're gonna, out there. They're going to still, still dump half their roster and still win the Central. No way. Honestly, like this, this is what I think. If the if the cards are going to make the National League Central, based on what we've seen in the past, they need to. I think maybe their best shot is being like a wild card team and having and playing really hot baseball heading into October. That's the only way I could I could see mm-hmm. them maybe making a run with yeah, this they, with this roster. Yeah, they won't. Okay. Um, <laughs> from the 319, based on playoff results, are you sold Dak Prescott is the Cowboys' future at quarterback? Based on playoff results, no. <laughs> I, no. You like him in the regular season, and yeah, I'm still – He led the league in, in interceptions last year. Not not this past – not 23, but 22. Right. And didn't play in all of the games. Mm-hmm. That's a concern for me. That's Anytime, tough with Josh Allen in the league, too. It, it, I mean, it's spectacular, actually. You have to almost try to do that. Mm-hmm. Anytime your quarterback forgets what color uniform you're wearing that day is problematic for me. And I, 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 I have to check the history of the of the Dallas Cowboys. I don't know that they have a green and gold combo at any point. Uh, I don't know, I cycling through the old blue, brain. No, gray, I so. white, Mm-mm. but somehow. Mm-hmm. Like light blue, light shiny blue, light blue. Yeah. Grayish, yeah. silver. That's, that's another discussion. Those uniforms don't match. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. I like their, I've always liked their Thanksgiving ones. Gray Is that the white one? Just, yeah, the white ones with like the dark one. blue. Roll like with that. that. White that helmet. Is, that is, the white helmet with the star. That is so good. Go blank yourself, San Diego. Yeah. That's a great unit. That, that's top tier. 
But I, I, Dak, Dak Prescott tends to throw the ball to the other team yeah, in crucial but, situations. But yeah. I mean, the regular season, though, you, you look oh, at so, it. So just get in then. No, because when <laughs> you get in, you're going to lose. Uh, but 4,500 yards, he was third in the NFL. He was second in the NFC in that. He's 7.7 yards per attempt. So he averaged 265.6 per per uh, game, 36 to nine touchdown interception ratio. That's better than everybody outside of is you know, he C.J. Stroud. Is he the quarterback to lead that team to a Super Bowl with oh, all God, of no. those numbers? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought that was the question. <laughs> no, no. I said it. I said, are you sold on him in the postseason? No. All those numbers are great. No. What the hell are you going to do? This is the problem. When you have a Dak Prescott, when you have a Kirky Cousins, they're going to look great in the regular season, and you just know that they're going to just come up short in the playoffs. Who do you trust more, Kirk Cousins or Dak Prescott? Same guy. I actually trust Kirk more. They're the same guy. Kirk Cousins, come on. Well, we know why? Because he was a Viking? Yeah, that's why. They're Kirk the Cousins, same player. If Kirk Cousins, I'll say it right now, if Kirk Cousins I think was might healthy all season long, he would have been the MVP. Go look at his stats. Is this wishful thinking? I'm being dead serious. <laughs> you know what, Marsh? You're right because it's the regular season where Dak thrives uh, and Kirk thrives. He I'm just not said push Dak back. just led the league in interceptions two years ago. That was two years ago. We're talking not about this year. past year. Mike McCarthy fixed him. Did he? Yeah. What did he? What happened? Thirty-six yes. touchdowns to nine picks. What happened Saturday? Was it Saturday or Sunday? I don't even know it what day. Saturday. Was. Sunday. It was Sunday. Sunday. What happened Sunday? I don't even know what today is. They lost. Jordan Love outplayed them. That's problematic. Here's a question for you. These teams that have lost, and we can expand this to previous years, do you feel like the coaching staff relies too heavily on the quarterback during the playoffs instead of giving the running back chances to open the passing game up? Because Dallas and Philadelphia did the same thing this 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 year in the playoffs they did not run the ball effective and they relied too much on their quarterback i think when it comes to the postseason and carrie i know you got my back on this one if you have the same philosophy when it comes to the postseason if you're not physical defensively and you you're not physical in the trenches when it comes to running the ball you're gonna have issues you're going home you're gonna have issues in the regular season you could throw the ball over the yard when it comes to november december and now january Really late November, I'll say. So, like, after Thanksgiving. If you're not running the ball effectively and playing well defensively, you don't tackle well, you're not gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna go home. That's why I didn't like Miami in the playoffs. I thought they were gonna be a track team in the in the regular season. We're gonna we're gonna love them. And then as soon as they got to the playoffs, especially if they had to play outdoors, they were gonna lose. There's no there was no question about it. So Marsh, yeah, you're right. Look at Green Bay. Green Bay, Aaron Jones. Mm-hmm. Set the table. He Jordan did. Love, fantastic. Rashad White did well last night too. White did, White did good against. You know, they, I don't think they can run. They're going to lose on Sunday because they're not going to be able to run the ball. They're not. But Detroit runs the ball. Detroit runs the ball. They have two ball. guys that can run the ball. They're, I love they're effective. Watching, I love watching. They got Detroit. a two-headed monster. We Detroit's going to win this weekend. Yeah. Baltimore. They were, they were you, know, you don't know the team that's going to lose this weekend. Baltimore. And, uh, no. Houston. Oh, Houston can't run the ball. They really can't. Houston can't run the ball. This is why C.J. Stroud, the year that he has had, is even more impressive than we think. Houston can't run the ball effectively. They're not going to Baltimore and run the ball. No, They're going to get shut down, and C.J. Stroud is going to have to... He's going to look like a rookie quarterback. He's going to look like a rookie quarterback. As as great as he's been this year, he will look like a rookie this weekend. Yes. 
And then that's not going to take anything away from no, him and his no, future no, 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 and all no. that. Yeah. So, all right. Shaky bakey, not so shaky anymore. Oh. Should we give this guy some credit? Sure. Not too much, though. That's <laughs> next. As you can see it, Garrett's face. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Gary, I have not been the uh, biggest Baker Maker, Baker Maker, Baker Maker, Baker Mayfield fan. Uh, really? I have felt that, maybe not in the sense that, you know, Cam Newton, I used, I used to call him a front runner. Mm-hmm. Great player. If Carolina was winning, Superman was out and all that. Carolina was losing, you could smell the dump in his drawers from anywhere. <laughs> and I thought Baker Mayfield was kind of like that, too. When nobody was watching, that's when Baker Mayfield was at his best. Mm-hmm. Even go back to o- his Oklahoma days. Before Oklahoma was making its, you know, making its run to the playoffs, nobody was really watching the Sooners and Baker Mayfield that year. But when he starts planting the flag in South Bend, when he starts doing some of the other things, when he's jawing with, you know, uh players fans at in the coin toss and all mm-hmm. that stuff that's when everybody started noticing and then when the playoffs came and the expectations rose that's usually when he performed at his worst Cle- he gets to cleveland even though he's the number one overall pick he was not the guy initially he did not start right away expectations were low and he had a really good year when the browns beat the steelers in the playoffs but you could tell he got progressively worse as well. Now, was all that his fault? No. He went through a bunch of coaching changes. He had Hugh Jackson and all that stuff. Gets to Carolina a year ago, and you heard the broadcasters talk about it last night, about how he gets to Carolina, and they wanted him to kind of be this, this Waterdale version of himself. Then he goes to the Rams with Sean McVay, and McVay says, hey, just be Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. Same deal in Tampa. They just wanted him to be himself. And he's come alive here. Right. He deserves a lot of credit for maturing along the way, for finding the right team. It's he's a good fit with the Bucs. And he's having kind of this second half resurgence like Geno Smith. He deserves a lot of credit. I agree. He did. He played well he, last night. He did play well. And I was reading some. He was uh, or I saw something yesterday. He's the first player in Bucks history with 300 yards passing and three touchdowns in a playoff game. Really? Now they don't have a rich history of he's playoffs. Better, well, it's better but than Tom Brady. Tom Brady Super never Bowls. had three. Never had three uh, three touchdowns. He had 300-yard games, but never had three touchdowns with a 300-yard game. So, so he's the first one ever in Tampa Bay Buccaneers so history. Better than, so Baker's better than Tom Brady. Well, no, uh, no, no, better no. Than and Doug Williams. Doug Williams. Better no, than Jeff Garcia. No, no, I don't think he, he's that. He, he, he's, he did a good job. Okay. Steve Young, too. He's pretty good down there in the orange creamsicles. Um, but he was not. He wasn't. <laughs> That's why he wanted with the Niners. He did. Um, but no, he 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 has done a fantastic job this year. As good a job as he can do, he's he's been allowed. I think the best thing that happened to Baker Mayfield was going to L.A. last year. I think going there, leaving Carolina, going to L.A., having to be thrusted into a game with three days of preparation, not knowing anything. But I think Sean McVay unlocked something in him and allowed him to be 
A, be himself, but B, be the best version of himself. Just go out there and be Baker Mayfield. Don't try to do anything extra. It was so hard for him in Cleveland, as you said, multiple head coaches. I think he had three head coaches in his four years there, which means you had three or four offensive coordinators. It just – the turnover was so high, and it was unfortunate for him. And so now you're seeing – <clears throat> with an with a future Hall of Fame receiver in Mike Evans, who all he does is catch thousand yards every year and drops them. Well, don't worry about it. He's gonna catch more than he, he drops, drops one. He does. drops one touchdown a game. He does, he, and it's usually a deep ball, which is concerned. Like how the hell you catch all these passes? Why do you drop that? Either way, he's done a very good job this year. Now, I think that their luck is going to run out this weekend because they're facing a, a team that is tougher than them. Mm-hmm. Not not him specifically, but the, just the team is tougher than them. The Detroit Lions are a, a team that we talked about last year. When they beat the Green Bay Packers, knowing that they had nothing to play for, Aaron Rodgers led Green Bay Packers, a team that was playing for a playoff spot, win and get in. Mm-hmm. And Detroit was like, nah, hell no. Not up, in, <laughs> not, not up in here. No, not happening. So we saw kind of their maturation last year and kind of expected it to go this way. So I think they're going to run into a buzzsaw this weekend. But what Baker has done this year has been outstanding for him. I think he's had the most yards he's had in his career in a season, 4,000-yard passer. He's done a fantastic job this year for his career. And hopefully he gets that contract that warrants him to be able to stay in Tampa, and they may have found their solution to to, uh, post Tom Brady. I think you should sign him. I do. What do you sign him for? What did Gino get? What did Daniel Jones get? To hell with that. How do you not get, are you kidding me? You don't think he's going to he, – he's, he's He can ask than, for it. He can ask for whatever he wants. <laughs> not, no, sir. Not happening? No. <laughs> Everybody knew that was a bad – Daniel Jones knew that was a bad contract by the Giants. Probably. So like, Gino – Gino got three years, 75 mil. I mean, that's more than enough for Baker Mayfield. 25 a year? Yeah. Okay. That's more than enough for, for Baker Mayfield's. They're similar. And, in, in and Daniel sense, Jones got, what is it, 40 a year? He got, whatever he got, he got overpaid. Let's see here. <laughs> the, the, those two players, Geno Smith, and uh, he got four years, $160 million. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Yeah. That's, that's $40 million a year. He ain't a $40 million quarterback. <laughs> but they're, they're two, guys, two guys that you know what their limitations are. Like, we'll see Baker Mayfield's limitations this weekend in Detroit. I agree with you. This is going to be a different different beast yeah. on Sunday. I think they play on Sunday. Maybe Saturday. The, But Geno Smith, you know, same thing with Geno Smith. At least you know he can be a solid placeholder. And for right. $25 million a year... That's not that's not too bad to have a place order. You you can still draft the quarterback. You mm-hmm. can still look have one eye toward the future. But I think if you're Tampa, I think he's earned the contract. I, I think so as well. Like I said, he had a had a great year this year, best year of his career. Most stability, I would say, of his entire career. I agree. Like just being able to show up to work every day and not worry who's gonna be the head coach right. in week twelve. Like not having to work OC gonna be here. Like changing offenses that much. And for him to still have been plugging his way away, I think he's done a fantastic job this year. I just think they're going to run into a bus. So. I agree. That's Gary Davis. I'm Anthony Stalter. Jamie Rivers out sick today. It's the Fast Lane on 101 ESPN. We need, we need a new gauntlet contestant. 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service tax line. Text in gauntlet. Maybe you have an opportunity to take on either Kerry, me, or Marsh next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Four categories, one challenger. Can you master the gauntlet? 
brought to you by Master, your hometown source for business communications for more than 30 years. Visit Mastor.com. To your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Carrie Davis and Andrew Marsh. I'm Anthony Stalter. Time for the gauntlet here in the fast lane, and we welcome in Todd. What's up, Todd? Hey, how we doing today, boys? Doing good. Uh, so no gauntlet 2.0 or 1.0? First time? Uh, I was the original winner on 1.0. That's what I thought. I looked at Marsh and I said, is this, is this the Todd? And Marsh goes, I don't know who the Todd is. So this is the, the Todd. Only re- it, yeah. That's the only, only reason I made it through. It will right. never happen again. All right, the Todd. <laughs> Welcome back, you Thank undeniable you. scumbag. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, we we been, love you. I've been dying to get back on again. It's been a while. It's been a while it for has. you. All right, so who, who are you taking on first, Carrie, Marsh, or me? I've never gone against Carrie, so I'm going to go for Gary. Carry. All right, All sounds right. good. I keep getting picked. I don't, you do. I don't know how I feel about this. Well, you, you lost the first two, but you won the last I one. Did. So you can even up your record here. All right, let's do Todd it. Todd is formidable. I will say that. But I can tell by his tone. Yeah. Todd means business. <laughs> oh, thanks, Carrie. <laughs> All right, Carrie, get yourself into the cone of silence. Right, Todd, go ahead and tell Marsh to spin the wheel. Spin that thing. What are you hoping for, Todd? I don't really care. Okay. I kind of miss. Uh, Randy, I miss uh, Rivers. Uh, Random. Yeah, I miss that stuff. Well, the the wheel spun baseball today. That's good. So you got baseball today. We haven't. I feel Marsh. We have, feel like we haven't had baseball in a while. I don't know if we've had. Well, actually, let me check. Let me check the stats real quick. And if we have, maybe we had it once recently, but maybe Kerry had it first. We've had one baseball and. I did baseball, okay. and I beat Ben to close out what could have been a gauntlet championship oh, that's in the right. first, first get-go of uh, Gauntlet 3.0. That's right. All right. I remember that. I, I, beat, I actually beat BT to win the first-ever trophy. Did you? Yep. I remember you winning. I didn't know who you knocked off. All right, Todd. BT was pissed. I'm sure he was. He's a competitor. All right, so Kerry is officially in the cone of silence. Todd, four questions, all worth two points. Unless you ask for the options, then they're worth one point. Are you ready? Right on. Indeed. All right, here we go. Newest Redbird, Andrew Kittridge, made the American League All-Star Game, uh, All-Star Team in 2021 as a member of the Tampa Bay Rays. Who was the MVP of that Midsummer Classic? So who won the MVP in the 2021 All-Star Game? Oh, where did they play that one? Um, I'm give me the options: Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Aaron Judge, Mike Trout. I think it was Vlad Jr. Final answer. Question number two: Happy birthday to former Cy Young Award finalist Alec Manoa. Manoa won 16 games for the 2022 Blue Jays, but can you tell us Toronto's all-time leader in wins? I know this. Um, oh, give me the options, darn it. Options are Pat Hentgen, or Hen- Hentgen. Hentgen, Roy Halladay, or Dave Steeb. 
holiday. Final answer. <laughs> Question number three, Todd. Two National League expansion clubs began play in 1969. The Montreal Expos and which other team? 69. Uh, Expos and I think it was the Mariners. Uh, or is that too late? Um I'm going to shoot and say Mariners. Final answer? Yep. Question number four. Name the Cardinals' career leader in sacrifice flies with 75 of them. Wow. (laughs) 75 sack flies. I want to say Albert, but that's... um, Sack flies. Stay unusual. Final answer. All right. We'll bring back Carrie from the Kona Silence. Todd, how you feeling? Uh, like always, 50-50. Yeah, it was tough. It was a tough one. All right, Carrie is making his way back from the Kona Silence. He's got his coffee in hand. He's ready to rock. All right, all right. All right. Carrie, how you feeling? Uh, feeling good. Okay. The no wheel. Pack a snack. Pack a snack, <laughs> Todd said. <laughs> all right. The wheel spun baseball. <laughs> baseball is your category yet. today. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready as I can be. Question one. Newest Redbird, Andrew Kittridge, made the American League All-Star team in 2021 as a member of the Tampa Bay Rays, who was the MVP of that Midsummer Classic. Of the All-Star? Hey, give me the options. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Aaron Judge, or Mike Trout? Let's go Vladdy. Final answer. Question number two. Happy birthday to former Cy Young Award finalist Alec Manoa. Manoa won 16 games for the 2022 Blue Jays, but can you tell us Toronto's all-time leader in wins? Oh. I feel like this would be much easier with the options, so give me the options. Options are Pat Hentgen, Roy Halladay, or Dave Steeb. Ooh. Not what I had in mind. Roy Holiday. Pat Hinkin? Common sense says you go with Holiday, but let's go with Dave Steve. Final answer. All right, Carrie, question three. Two National League expansion clubs began play in 1969. The Montreal Expos and who? Ooh. I, I don't want it. <laughs> Options. San Diego Padres, Houston Astros, Atlanta Braves. Oh, Padres. Final answer? Final answer. Question number four. Name the Cardinals career leader and sacrifice flies <laughs> with 75 of them. What? <laughs> sacrifice fly so that would be somebody that played a long time <sighs> maybe had an ability to live down mm. I'm just gonna go out on a limb here uh, sh- 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 stand usual final answer 
Probably should have took the options. All right. Let's start right there. Name the Cardinals' career leader in sacrifice flies with 75 of them. Carrie, Todd, you both had the same answer, <sighs> same thought. Neither of you took the option. Stan Musial was your answer. Correct answer is Yadier Molina. Yadi. Oh, man. It was Yadi. Stan, Stan the man was an option, though. Okay. He was an option. Uh, Two Yachty. National League expansion clubs began play in 1969, the Montreal Expos and which other team? Todd, without the options, you said the Seattle Mariners. Carrie, you took not the good. options. We know the Mariners were not an option. You went with the San Diego Padres. Correct answer is the San Diego Padres. The San Diego Padres. So Carrie's got a one nothing lead. Newest Redbird, Andrew Kittridge, made the American League All-Star team in 2001, or 2021, excuse me, as a member of the Tampa Bay Rays. Who was the MVP of that Midsummer Classic? You both took the options. You both went with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Correct answer is... Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Led the American League to the to a 5-2 win with a solo home run and two ribbies. Carey's got a 2-1 lead over Todd. It comes down to this question. Uh. Happy birthday to former Cy Young Award finalist Alec Manoa. Manoa. Manoa won 16 games for the 2022 Blue Jays. But can you tell us Toronto's all-time leader in wins? <laughs> Todd, you went with Roy Halladay. Carrie, you went with Dave Steeb. If it is Dave, if it is Dave Steeb <laughs> or Pat Hentken, Carrie wins. If it's Roy Halliday, we've got a walk off. Todd, you have chosen poorly. You lose. You knew. You knew it was Dave Steeb. I don't know if you looked it up or whatever, but Todd, uh, Carrie got you three to one. He guessed on all of them and he guessed right. Did a nice job. Uh, Todd, always a pleasure to have on the on these airwaves. I'm glad you Thank tried you. again. I'm glad we got Thank some revenge, you. though. I deserved it. Uh, I, you know, when I took the options, I didn't even hear Steve's name, and that was the first thing that popped in my brain, and I didn't even hear that. Oh, oh really? No kidding. Yeah, you said you knew it too. You, you, you were like, I know this. So maybe uh, when maybe once you heard Roy Halladay, it was like, oh, I'm just going to go with the the obvious choice there. Yeah. Anyways, Good all job, right, Todd. thanks guys. Thanks. You guys are the best. No, thank thanks. Todd. thanks Todd. We appreciate it. We like we like having you on the show, man. Thank you. We'll see you. All right, take care, boys. You too. Yeah, Todd. Uh, Todd won the first. Like you said, he won the first ever gauntlet. Gauntlet 1.0, and then I think he had a buddy call in again. He tried again. <laughs> he won again or something. I don't know. Todd, uh, Todd, Todd is the guy that gets on. You know, there's certain there's certain callers mm-hmm. that always win stuff. Yeah, he's that guy. Todd gets gets in all the time. I don't know what he says. I don't know what he does. <laughs> I don't know what he does in back alleys to get on all the time. But he does it, and he does it well, and he's a hell of a nice guy. Today. Hey, you just got to get in, you know? Anything just can get happen. in. Anything can happen. And that's well, the Cardinals' philosophy. Yeah. <laughs> and he lost. <laughs> Which is also a Cardinals model, I think. (laughs) (laughs) But will it be this year? That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. The 
conversation earlier about Mike Tomlin, whether or not he and the Steelers could decide to part ways. It's official. Mike Tomlin will be back. There you go. Mike Tomlin informed the team that he will return for the 18th season in Pittsburgh. Still yet to finish below 517 years on the job. Tomlin will return. Was there ever really any question? Yeah. For who? People that don't know Pittsburgh or Mike Tomlin or the Steelers? I just think that look at the look at the situation with Bill Belichick and the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, halfway through the year, remember they made the trip, I think it was to London or Germany or one of the places. Yeah. And they had the report. Bill Belichick's job could, could be, be in after this game. Yeah, I remember that. And my initial thought, just like you probably thought with with Tomlin, was there's no way. There's no way the Patriots are gonna move forward with it. So I felt like that was different. How? I felt like the Patriots that had run its course. You had multiple seasons since Tom Brady has left where that team has fallen apart. Yeah, good call. Mike Tomlin, Ben Ben Roethlisberger has been gone for a few years. They haven't necessarily fallen apart. Yeah. They still finish above 500. They still and I know oh, what difference does it make you don't have a losing season. You ain't had a losing season. Right. And there are not every Mike Tomlin said something a few years ago. I, I remember he was talking to Chase uh, Young. And he was basically like, you know what? I'll never be able to get a guy as good as you. Because I'm never going to have a record bad enough to draft high enough to get a guy like you. I like that. Like, that's just yeah. what they are. They aren't able to get those high draft picks because they don't finish. Part. They are always going to be in the division race. They're always going to be in the wild card race. They're always going to have an opportunity to make the playoffs. We laugh about just getting in. And yeah, it's funny because that should not be your goal, right? I'm joking when I say that. You right. should actually want to win the division and then win a world championship, whether that's baseball, basketball, football, hockey, whatever it is. Yeah. But getting in, there is something to that. And if you have a team that is consistent year after year after year and the product that you're putting on the field it shows up. That team is not the same team without T.J. Watt. Yeah. It, it, there is no way they're going to win that game in Buffalo yesterday without T.J. Watt. There's no way they're going to win that game in Buffalo without a true def- definitive quarterback no. that leads that team to success in the manner in which it needs to be led. They need help in the in, in, in the trenches up front. They need help with some of the play calling because I still think that that could be better. And offensive, the offensive philosophy and the quarterback has to be better. Mm-hmm. Defense... That defense could play with any defense I played on. There are players on that team. Now, a few of them that opted out of tackling yesterday <laughs> have a conversation with them. But T.J. Watt, uh, Cameron Hayward, Minka Fitzpatrick, those guys could play on our teams. And and that's that's what you need to know about Steeler football. Those guys are going to show up and show out every single day. And Mike Tomlin is the coach of those guys. So eventually – Hopefully, they'll get this quarterback situation corrected and the offensive philosophy mindset corrected. So it's, it is interesting as we transition to the Cardinals here. The Cardinals have, we, we've done this before, like who's the NFL team that's a comparison? And a lot of times you'll hear the Packers. Lately, I think it's the Steelers. The Steelers have had yeah. a lot of success under Mike Tomlin. Mm-hmm. They've won one Super Bowl. The Cardinals have had the one that you the team that you yeah. played on. They, they lost, and they also they lost, lost the one. Super Bowl. Yep. The Cardinals have had a ton of success under John Mosellock. They've also had seasons where you felt like maybe Steelers fans do right now, where it's just, okay, yeah, great, we made the playoffs. It's fantastic. I'm happy, but I'm not satisfied. They're right. not, I know that this team can't go on the road and beat Buffalo, or they have to play a perfect game, or they have to make sure that they're completely healthy. And that is where I think Cardinals fans' frustrations is as well. I think there's a lot of similarities between the two teams. The Cardinals might be good enough 
to win the division this year? Are they good enough to win multiple playoff games? Absolutely not. You outlined how the Steelers can get to get back to that point. Right. You have to find an OC that knows what the hell he's doing, mm-hmm. and of course you need the quarterback. Right. Easier said than done, but that is the path back. Correct. And you could do that under Tomlin. To me, the Cardinals, re- not just making the playoffs, not just winning the division, that path looks as follows. You have to build a dynamic pitching staff. Period. End of story. If you don't, and they don't have one now, could they do? Could they win the division? Absolutely. Could they win a playoff series if things break well? Sure. You can win more than that. Absolutely not. Don't consider. Don't kid yourself. Well, isn't the difference though that Mike Tomlin is the head coach? He doesn't have the ability to decide who is on his team when it comes to. Like that's the front office's job, and you compare right. him to John Mozeliak. John Mozeliak does have have that ability, so they're kind of different when you're comparing the two. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm not I'm comparing the organizations. That's fair. Yeah, I'm not. If I was gonna make the compare like Tomlin to Ollie, there's no comparison. But organ, organization wise, you know the Cardinals. You can't you can't deny that the Cardinals have had success. Mm-hmm. They just haven't had the success that we have all been aching for, which is get in and have the team to make a serious run. You know you're not going to be the Dodgers. Cardinals fans aren't naive. Right. You know you're not going to be the Dodgers. You know you're not going to be be the Braves. Not not beat, but be the Braves. But can you be a, a much better version of yourself? Yeah. But you have to build a pitching staff that is that is filled with studs. You have to develop those guys. They have to make it and become damn near stars like Spencer Strider is in Atlanta. You have to retain them and continue to build the pitching staff. That's my opinion. You you do. You have to get better in that regard. And and again, people don't like this answer from from John Mozeliak, but they did take steps to be better in that regard for 2024. Is it that much better? Did you go from a a, a D to a C plus, D minus to a C plus? It's it's better though, right? Right. Yeah. So. And I don't know that this staff is a C plus staff. I don't know where they're going to be. I, I thought last year's staff would be much better than a D performance, but they just didn't perform well enough throughout as a group collectively, as a group to 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 win enough games. I hope that this staff is better. I hope that we get pitchers past the fifth and sixth inning and, and allow guys to actually face the lineup the third time as opposed to but that's a that's a philosophical mindset from the front office as well. So if you're going to do that, you have to have a better bullpen. This whole team, pitching staff, needs to be better than it was last year. And I think if you're better with the pitchers, starters, bullpen, then your hitters will be better as well because there's yeah. less stress. Marcy talked about it. You, it's hard to win when you get to the to the bottom of the, the first inning and it's already four zip. Mm-hmm. It, it's tough. So if you get a pitching staff that gets you, keeps you in games, doesn't allow a bunch of hits, a bunch of runs, they can be a good team. Are they a are they a NLCS winning team? Meh, I don't know. No one again. No one assumed that the Diamondbacks would be in the in the World Series last year either. Yeah. But you know that's a one that, that's kind of the the exception to the rule. I think the Cardinals have to still have to find another pitcher, in my opinion, another starter, and still fill out this bullpen with guys you know and can trust every night. I think what's 
frustrating is the fact that I could get behind what they're doing if they're building off of a bad year and it, it's going to take two or three years and you know that, right? Like, you know as a fan, okay, this is going to be a process. The problem is you have two great guys on the corners in your infield that you are essentially wasting away. Yeah. That is what's most frustrating. Yes. You can't go through a slight rebuild or whatever with those guys on your team. I'm not saying I don't want them on my team right. by any means, but what's frustrating is that you are, every single year, they are probably regressing. Hopefully they don't, but you have to build a team around those players why, then why bring them in? Why bring them in if you're not going to give them the best opportunity to win? Mm-hmm. I think that's why they came here. Yeah. That, they the came expecta- here to win. No question. They, they came did, here but th- with the expectation to win a championship. The, the, so the Bears. The Bears in 2006 had the best defense and the best special teams, not only for that season, but – one of the best in that decade. Mm-hmm. The, the, the 2001 Ravens stand out in that decade more than the, the Bears. But with Devin Hester and the defense, it was absolutely incredible. Yeah. They did not have the offense. No. And when they tried to build the offense by getting Jay Cutler and some of these other guys, uh, some of the receivers that they got, the Brandon Marshall, Brandon Marshall yeah. Alshon Jeffrey, mm-hmm. like when they, 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 Matt Forte, the running back, they tried to build this, this offense. The defense started to get. Older. Yeah. And it's almost like they kind of got passed by a little right. bit. And they just wound up being slightly above average. They got the Super Bowl because they were elite in two of the three areas of the game. They were just so bad offensively that they, <laughs> they, they couldn't beat Peyton Manning and not a lot of teams could. My point in bringing this up is that, yeah, they did get Nolan Arenado. Mm-hmm. Yes, they did get Paul Goldschmidt. Yes, they did draft Jordan Walker and Brendan Donovan and Tommy Edmond and Mason Wynn. But the offense, because you invested so much in the offense, it has surpassed your pitching, mm-hmm. and your pitching now is not good enough at any level to get you back to even keel. E- even keel, yeah. and and hell, you shouldn't be even keel. Should be your better. pitching should be, should be should be significantly better. This is why I said what I did before about the t- the 2019 NLCS. We love to say the offense failed them. Mm-hmm. No, the Nationals' pitching propelled them. Right. They need to. They, you want to win a World Series. You want to beat the Dodgers, you want to beat the Braves, you want to beat the Phillies along the way. Get a pitching staff that is so good, it becomes suffocating for the other team. They don't have that, they're not close to that, and therefore that, in my opinion, is why they're going to fall short again. Here to me is when the Cardinals are where they are, and if you were to say, you know what, we're probably a couple of years from being at that peak that we need to be at, because you got young players. You got Jordan Walker. You got Mason Wynn. Lars is still a younger guy. You got Nolan Gorman. You got you expect Victor Scott to be in your outfield at some point. Maybe this season, maybe the beginning of next year. Herrera, you got enough young guys that can be your core to where you should be trying to get that that ace. Implement whether it's whether it's signing him in free agency or whether it's developing him throughout your system so that he can be ready or they can be ready, two of them at least, be ready when Jordan Walker and all of those guys are at their peak. When they get 25, 26, 27, that's your time mm-hmm. to to really push. But are the Cardinals willing to say that? Are they willing to actually do that? Or are they just going to do 
just enough to appease the masses. So we'll get off our backs. We did what we said we're going to do. We're going to be. And that's the mindset of just win the division. Yes. And I'm not saying you take a step back. Hell, you took a step back last year and wasn't planning on it. So what difference does it make? And now they just got back to where they were before. There you go. That's the problem, Kerry. Yeah. You and I are on the same page. No question. You're, You're right in that they got better. But you took such a setback last year, and you weren't trying to. I'm not gonna get. I'm not gonna praise you because you got back to average. <laughs> Sorry, you know you I'm not gotta, gonna sit. You gotta it. start somewhere. No, <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna throw your roses because you 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 did what you were supposed to do, and you got three pitchers to to occupy the three spots that were open. You did the bare minimum. Now, if you drafted studs that are coming up, Tink Hens and Mike McGreevy and all that, I will gladly praise you for that. Right. But I'm not going to pat you on the back because you've got Sonny Gray, Lance Lynn, and and Kyle Gibson said, we're better. You are. But, but you were so you far. You from? took such a step back last year, dude. I, I You got a long way to go. Yeah. I We, we are in agreement there. High five. It's fascinating. I want to want ESPN. Let's take a quick look at the NFL division preview here. NFL divisional round preview. We do have Joe Vitale coming up in 15 minutes to so talk more blues hockey. Uh, but NFL divisional round first look next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's a fast lane on 101 ESPN. Kerry Davis, Andrew Marsh. I'm Anthony Stoltz. Appreciate everybody tuned in today. We do have Joe Vitale coming up in less than 10 minutes. The NFL divisional round matchups following yesterday's Bills and, and Bucks victories, respectively, are now set. On Saturday afternoon, 3.30 kickoff in Baltimore, you'll have the Texans and Ravens, 7.15 local time, Packers and 49ers. And then on Sunday, 2 o'clock kickoff here in St. Louis between the Bucks and the Lions. And then the Chiefs and Bills square off at 5.30 local time. Uh, that's your Sunday afternoon game. I said this before, I, I don't have as good of a feel for these matchups mm-hmm. as I did in the divisional rounds, but the more I think about it, I actually feel like I do. Yeah. Let's start off with the Texans and Ravens. I don't think that the Ravens, or the Texans, excuse me, are going to be able to run the ball. They haven't really ran the ball effectively this season a lot. C.J. Stroud has been incredible. They've done a, 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 just a sensational job of getting to this point. I loved him against the Browns. The Browns had some injury issues, and as I mentioned before, Cleveland was a different team on the road than they were at home. This is going to be a different beast, though. Mm-hmm. Baltimore is sitting ready for you. That's a team that looked like he was still practicing deep into the year when most teams don't because they're so banged up. They're relatively healthy. They can run they they can run the ball in a variety of ways. They've got weapons and defensively might be one of the, the, the most underrated defenses in the league. No question. They so, they are defensively, they they lead the league in points allowed, not scoring. They are top of that, the NFL. Is that good? That's really good. That means you ain't going to let people score very often. Mm-hmm. And that generally helps you win games when you have an MVP caliber player at quarterback and doing the things that they're doing offensively. And I think you you hit the nail on the head. They have not. Because Lamar has done Lamar things this year and, and you know, he's been 
vying for the NFL MVP all year. That, I think that defense has gotten overlooked a lot. Mm-hmm. But Patrick Queen and, and Roquan Smith, sign me up. Right, I think those two guys making tackles, I like it. I like what they do defensively, and they've done a great job. And I just think you're going to see C.J. Stroud has not looked like a rookie quarterback really at any point this season. He's had an outstanding year, but I think he's going to look like a rookie on on what is Sunday? I think he or Saturday. Saturday. Yeah, the first he's, game. He's going to look like a rookie on Saturday. I do too. And I think that this this Ravens defense is going to get after him. And you're looking at a you know 28, 35 to 14 win. That, I think that's what the score is because yeah. you're seeing the maturation of of Lamar in his in this new offense as well. This this first year offense, it's just gotten better and better and better. And and that final game where he threw five touchdowns, we talk about a Heisman moment for mm-hmm. for college football. That was his MVP moment. Sure, there there is no question. I think he solidified himself as the MVP of the year with that performance. And so I am I am of the mindset that. This game won't be close because Houston has had a Cinderella type run, but it'll it'll end in Baltimore on Saturday. Do you uh, d- does his playoff record concern you? I was going to ask that, but what what Kerry just said is you have to you have to say okay, let's look at it, let's look at how it was, let's look at how it is now. The thing that has changed is Todd Munkin. Todd Munkin has developed an offense that will elevate Lamar mm-hmm. and Lamar can elevate the rest of the players around him that was not the case in previous years under Greg Roman not even close it was terrible and it took a little while Kerry I remember you and I were doing podcast uh for the gridiron guys early on you were like ah it's still not it looks okay but mm-hmm. it's still not what I expected but at the end of the year I think it looked what what you expected yeah it, it more opened up more explosive big plays you got big play receivers you got guys that and Mark Andrews being hurt took a toll on them. Yes, I think it took a while for them to kind of. Isaiah Likely. Likely is a good, good player. <laughs> he has figured it out. Real That's player. Anthony's favorite player. I love, it out. I love Isaiah. Isaiah Likely. Likely has figured it out. So they they are doing some things and it is it is making their offense a lot better. Yeah, uh, Packers and 49ers, and we'll end on this one here just just because we want to get to Joe Vitale on time. But Packers 49ers, I think the problem is. Look, Green Bay coming off the win against Dallas. Everybody's going to remember that. Everybody's going to like them. Everybody's going to, you know, for, if you're looking at it like a, from a stre- spread standpoint, a lot of people are going to take the points because they're ten point underdogs. Here's the problem: Joe Barry, as good as that defense looked last week, Mike McCarthy made zero adjustments, and it really was a good fit for what Dallas wants to do. Green Bay is going to take away the deep shots. Dallas thrives off the deep mm-hmm. shots. San Francisco does not. They don't care. They don't care. He's catching run. They will take seven <laughs> yards here, four <laughs> yards there, 22 yards there, and they'll do it in a variety of ways, and they'll do it with a variety of players. They don't care. They're going to hang about 38 on Green Bay, and unfortunately this is where the Jordan Love yep. train stops. And I the 49ers, agree. again, well-rested, really good pass rush. I think that secondary can be exposed, but other than that, these are going to be two games where they might have a good feel early on, but eventually the two number one teams are going to pull away. I, I don't know how the secondary gets exposed when they have pressure in, in Jordan Love's face all day. That's the that's the ultimate key, right? You can <laughs> have an okay, you can have an average Young, secondary. Greenlaw, Warner, if you they a, are they are going to get after the quarterback, right, and stop the run. I don't know. You like Green Bay. I don't, you don't like Green Bay. I don't like, like Green, Green Bay. Bay. I like Green Bay in this game. I think it's going to be a lot closer than you think. Really? Okay. I mean, yeah, you, right. you mentioned, oh, you know, we saw Green Bay play last week, but that team has been playing playoff football for about a month now. Yes. You're right. And you mentioned earlier in the season when the 49ers go down, they have a tough time coming back. 
Yeah, when they trail in games. When they trail in games. Yep. So if, the, if Green Bay can do what they did early in this game like they did against Dallas, we'll see how the 49ers adjust. That's their best shot. That's their best shot. They have to take a similar approach. They're going to be aggressive. If they can get a lead, it might change things. Well, they have nothing to lose. No. Like they, no uh, one expected them to win in yep. Dallas, except for me and Jamie and probably everyone else that <laughs> expected Dallas to lose in the first round. But, you know, I don't think people expected Jordan Love to be in this situation. They did yeah. not expect Green Bay to be in this situation halfway through the season. No, you're right. Joe Vitale, he'll come up next. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the Blues game last night and move beyond that, too. And his thoughts on the power play improving. That's next on 101 ESPN. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Joey Vitale views things a little differently. Just imagine how he looks at hockey. Whoa! This is The View from Vitale, brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi Electric Elite Contractor. Well, the Blues fell last night at home to the Philadelphia Flyers. And joining us to talk all things Blues is our guy Joe Vitale with Kerry Davis. I'm Anthony Stalter. Joe, how you doing? Stalter, I'm doing great today, buddy. How are you guys? Well, dude, doing good. Not a not a great performance last night by the Blues. Ultimately, what do you think was their downfall? Uh, I think the downfall was uh, execution. I think that, you know, Drew Bannister, I think he's done a really good job in his press conference. I think he's been direct with his answers. I think he's been very honest, but not over the top where he's made anyone look bad. From standpoint, uh, he, he's been really good. And last night he addressed it. He said, "Listen, it was a, it was an execution problem. It was a problem of us not being ready to go. We weren't engaged early enough. We fell behind after two periods. We got outplayed badly in those first two periods. And yes, there was a little bit of life in the third, but you can't play a good Philadelphia Flyers team." for just, you know, 16, 17 minutes and expect to have success. I mean, really, the only reason why it was so tight to the very end was because of their backstopper and Joel Hofer. He was terrific again last night. Joey, we were talking about it. The Blues just looked like they were chasing that game the entire time, trying to get into it. What, what happens when a team is performing like that? What, what is the mindset or what, what's going on while, while they're unable to get to it right away? Well, I mean, it's different, different games, you know, Kerry. I think the last night, what I saw was that, you know, Philly, you got to you got to tip your hat to them because they came out fast, they came out aggressive, um, but they played very tight defensively, and they played it pretty consistently throughout the game. So when you have a team that is not allowing things to the middle of the ice, it, it's a very frustrating style. I mean, I think that the Philadelphia Flyers really, they took the Blues game plan, uh, they brought it to perfection, and they used it against the Blues. I mean, the way that Philly defended last night, that is exactly the way the Blues have been wanting to defend, and they have been doing a pretty good job of it, a little bit inconsistent as of late, but overall, this is exactly the game they want to play. I mean, look at that top line last night with Thomas, Kairou, and Buchnevich. You know, how many times did we see them in the offensive zone make one good pass, two good passes, and right when they made that third pass, it got deflected, taken away through the middle. I think Philly's sticks were so disciplined towards the middle of the ice, taking away lanes. And it became frustrating that the Thomas Kyron Bushnevich grouping, for example, couldn't get more shots and more uh, more uh, pucks manifesting at the front of the net. But that was because of that Philly tight defense where everything was taken away through the middle. Now, what happens to answer your question is you do that at the beginning of the first period 
what happens? Teams begin to get a little bit frustrated. You're thinking, oh, man, maybe this isn't our night. Or, oh, man, Philly's on top of it. Or just don't get any rhythm. We get to the offensive zone. It's, we're there for 10 seconds. We're right back out again. So you find yourself in this weird rhythm as a player where you do start to chase the game. You wonder if you're ever going to break through. And it could be a very frustrating style. And you can get discouraged throughout it. So I think that Philly really set the tone early in it. They weren't going to allow anything to the middle. They were deflecting passes, taking away that, that guts of the ice right in front where you get all the dangerous areas. And I think the Blues, you know, eventually just got a little bit frustrated with it, and it kind of took away a lot of their will in the first 40 minutes. Uh, but overall, like I said, a good bounce back in the third at the sod equalizer uh, just unfortunately wasn't enough as Philly continued to to bring the heat. No one tipped it a, a beautiful goal there in the in the third period to seal it off. Joe Vitale joining us right now on the fast lane on 101 ESPN. Joe, the power play though got another goal last night. It there it looks great after making some some changes after Drew Bannister made some changes. Is it as simple as just get in front of the net and good things happen? Because we saw it again on the Sunquist goal last night. You know, it, it's a little bit of that sauce, but but it's 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 well educated of uh, an assessment when shooters are shooting it. Uh, you have to have a, a good um, you have to have a good analysis of what's down there before just throwing it. So I'm not going to sit here and say. I don't want fans to think it's just mindlessly throwing pucks there with bodies there. It's not, we're not barbaric hockey. We're not talking. <laughs> you know, this is, these shooters, they have their head up and they're looking for, they're looking for signs, you know, and there's, there's two big things. When a guy from the outside, like a Colton Pareko, for example, or let's call it a Scott Prunovich, when they're at the point and we're on the half wall and they're looking at the net, they're not just throwing it there with a net from presence. They're looking for two things. Number one, you're looking for a net from presence that's taking away the goalie's eyes. You know, Sunquist is really good about it. You know, a good net front guy on top of the blue paint, you're backing your rear end up on the goalie, but you're not you're not creeping into a space where the goal's gonna get called back. But your your job is to put your body in front of the eyesight of the goaltender. When a shooter sees that, like a Thomas the other night we saw when he threw it down to Cairo for the neighbors goals two games ago against the Rangers, he was at the point, he picks his head up and he sees it's a good net front presence. That's number one. Take away the goalie's eyes. Number two is do we have the potential to create a two-on-one at the net if there's a rebound. And that's where I'll go back to that Thomas goal, that, or excuse me, the, the neighbor's goal from Thomas at the point. Thomas in that Rangers game, he's at the point. He's right next to Colton Pareko. He picks his head up, and it's a pretty innocent wrist shot that gets to the net. But what does he see? He sees Cairo and neighbors in front of the net. Excuse me, this was actually the Boston game because it was Charlie McAvoy. He saw those two players on Charlie McAvoy, so he throws it there. It's a juicy rebound, and then it's a two-on-one. So then, of course, of course, Kairou slides it between McAvoy's legs, and it goes to Jake Neighbors for a great goal. So the shooters on the outside, yes, throwing pucks there is important, but you've got to have a big guy in front taking away the goalie's eyesight, and you want to ultimately create two-on-ones down low in front of the net, and that's what the Blues have done very well of. You know, you call it the junkyard, junkyard goals or the broken play goals, whatever you want to call it, but there is some – there is some rhythm. There's some rhyme to it. It's not just um, carelessly throwing pucks there. It's, it's done with well intention. Joey, is there any concern about the number of shots on goal that they allow each night? Yeah, there is, there is, Kerry, because, you know, your goalies aren't, aren't Superman. You know, you're not Batman. You're not, you're not invincible. You're, you're going to have goaltenders that are going to have bad nights. Or, quite frankly, you're going to have goalies that are going to have average nights. I mean, if Joel Hofer had an average night last night, the Blues probably should have lost that game, you know, Five to one, six to two on an average night. And that's not even considered maybe a bad night where he gets pulled. You know, these goalies have been, they've been doing your job. You know, they have been doing their job. I said on the post game last night, you can say what you want about this team. Yeah, their inability to climb four games plus over 500 all season long. 
Uh, I think it was the eighth opportunity they tried to last night. Uh, they didn't always use the ninth opportunity. They still can't get over that. Now they fall only two games over 500. You know, the special teams have been issues periodically throughout the year. Uh, secondary scoring, a little bit of an issue. Dealt with some injuries with Falk and Bushnevich. You say what you want, and, and there have been some ups and downs for this Blues team. But one thing that has been extremely consistent is the goaltending. This is not a goaltending issue here. I think the way Bennington's been playing, the way he shows up, the way Joel Hofer continues to battle every single night. Uh, last night was no exception. He takes the loss, but my goodness gracious, he, he made some dandy saves, and he kept this team one shot away from tying it with just over two minutes to go in the game, which the Blues have never should have been in that position. Uh, but it was certainly because of the backstopper and Joel Hofer and, and Bennington. They, they've been terrific. Joe, uh, looking forward here, we, we have the Capitals that get a home-and-home, home, I think, right? He's got uh, two against the Capitals coming up. When it comes to finding consistency, we, that's been one of the things all season long. And Carrie and I were talking about earlier, this team has a pair of three-game winning streaks, and that's it. Is there is there a magic formula when it comes to building those four, five, six win, game, uh, winning streaks so that you can actually make some noise in the standings? Well, it's going to need to happen. I, I don't know the exact answer for you, Stalls. I think if, if I did, I would be in a coach's position probably <laughs> talking to you, fine fellow. Fair, fair. Uh, but, and, and listen, I do love talking to you, fine fellow, so I don't, I'm not saying I want to be in that position. But, you know, every team, is, every team of course, wants to put on an eight, nine-game run like we're seeing with the Seattle Kraken, you know, for example. You know, every team is, is desperately trying to get to that. Or, you know, look what the Edmonton Oilers have done. I mean, they have just gone on a complete tear after their slow start to the season. Uh, unfortunately, not every team can do that. Uh, it just does not work out mathematically. Uh, but the the reality is this: St. Louis and his Blues team, they're going to need to get to 10, 11, 12 games over 500 to, to figure out a way to get into the playoffs. It's just that's what it's going to come down to. We're past the halfway point of the season. As they sit two games over 500, like I said, they they've tried mercilessly. You know, they get that four game over 500. They tried like nine attempts now, and they haven't gotten there. Um, what's it going to take to get over the hump? You know, is it going to be some young kid coming up like uh, Matthew Kessel and maybe he goes on a run? Maybe Jake Neighbors gets hot again. You know, maybe the power play continues to excel and then one of the things starts to click. You know, you, you do need multiple things to click in order to put a six, seven, eight, nine game stretch together. Or you go back to 2019 when they put 11 game stretch together. Of course, that, that huge stretch got them back in that playoff picture. But you look at that stretch, you were getting – different aspects you had the goaltending one night then the next night it was a power play then it was the fourth line getting two goals uh then it was your backstop for getting a shutout i mean it was just different things every single game and i remember that consistently in that run players were just saying you know whatever it is everyone's contributing on a different night to figure out a way to win and right now you know this team you know you get the goaltending one night but then the special teams falls off but then the special team's really good and then maybe lacks secondary score it just seems like there's one little thing missing on each night which prevents them from kind of really climbing the standings. Uh, but this team is, is fully aware that a, a good six, seven, eight-game run is going to be needed. You're looking at an eight-and-two stretch and then maybe a five-and-one stretch at some point to really put yourself in a good position to make the playoffs. So it's coming down to crunch time. It's coming down to desperate hockey. That first week of March, of course, is the trade deadline. And guys were, you know, four, six, four to six weeks away from that. So it really does kind of show you that uh, it really is time to really put up and shut up uh, for the St. Louis Blues team because they know what's at stake. Joe, good stuff as always. Looking forward to your call in a couple of days as the Blues take on the Capitals in D.C. Sounds good, fellas. You guys have a great week. You too. Thanks, Joe. Uh, Joe Vitale here in the Fast Line on 101 ESPN. We have our Sports Six back coming up, so if you've got a question for us, 314-399-9646 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Again, the 
314-399-9646 Air Comfort Service Tax Line is now open for your sports questions. Sports Six Pack next. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the fast lane to answer your sports questions. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. Asking me all these weird questions. Answer the question. Answer the question. Answer me. The sports six pack is now. It's the fast lane on 101 ESPN 501. Your time check is brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Super Bowl champion Kerry Davis. I'm Anthony Stalter. No Jamie River studies out six. Uh, Andrew Marsh has your questions for the sports six pack. Question number one. From the 618, what is Dak Prescott's legacy and future look like after another one and done playoff exit? How many years do you got left on this contract? Let's take a look, shall we? He'll, he he will sign a new contract. I think he's up after next year. I think I believe they were talking about re-signing him. But yeah, so he has there's a so there's a potential out in 2024. Yeah. But the dead cap, so there's really not. The dead cap is 61.9 so he, million. He's playing for the Dallas Cowboys next year. He, and he'll probably yep. re-sign and get a new contract. He's only he's 31 years old. He, mm-hmm. he will be 31 or he is 31. He will have a new contract. <laughs> after probably going into 2024 right because w- what else are you going to do yep he, he this fits, is the world we live in yeah he fits in that same that same boat as a Kirk Cousins as yeah. a you know name the quarterback that was good enough to be a franchise to be considered a franchise quarterback but also one that you knew wasn't going probably weren't going to win mm-hmm. anything. Yeah, Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers go. is a good like made a lot of move money. on from Philip Rivers. No, are you going to move on from Dak Prescott? What are Who my else is options? In that, who else is in that conversation right now? In, it just in history, Tony Romo, Tony another, Romo, Tony Romo, another Romo. quarterback okay. for That's Dallas. Yeah, Tony Romo wasn't going to wasn't going to win you yep. a Super Bowl, but yeah. we're going to move Marino. on. Dan Marino. Dan Marino. Dan Marino. Oh, <laughs> <God>. <laughs> he he never won a Super Bowl. I think if Russ doesn't win that one Super Bowl, you would put him in that conversation. But I he, think that's fair. He, I think he still Jared, is in that Jared conversation. Jared Goff, you're gonna move there on. You go. you, were you not gonna pay Jared Goff for the Rams? You're gonna pay him. You were gonna pay him. Yep. And now obviously the Lions, the Lions continue to pay him. That's an right, intriguing. Right now, I would also put. Um, you know, like two is going to fall into that category Probably. at some point. Probably. So then it goes, it, it gets back to. Does, let me, is let me just Justin take a, Herbert in that? Is Justin Herbert in that? Or is he? He. Do you think he's let, passed? Let's that. wait till he gets a competent head coach. Okay. And then I, we'll have the I, conversation. I, you know what? I agree with that. Yeah. As of right now, I, I still, I still think that he could be. He can be a, an elite quarterback. There are, there are a lot of quarterbacks that fit that that mm-hmm. mold. Like it's so hard to find, and that's why the, the Dallas Cowboys are going to pay him. Because where yes. the hell are you going to find one at? Right. Man, walking Int- street. Until you have a better option. This is this <laughs> this has been my point. This has been my point about Justin Fields. the The difference between Justin Fields and everybody else is that the Bears have an option. They have an option. With the number one overall pick, mm-hmm. the Cowboys don't have it. You, do you have a better option than Dak no. Prescott? No. Even when you know he can't get you over the hump, and because he hasn't, what is your better option right now? I have one. There's that's the difference between ideal and realistic. Yeah. Ideally, 
you would find somebody to help you win a Super Bowl. Realistically, Dak Prescott is your only option to get you to that point. You got to figure out the running game. That'll help. Tony Pollard ain't ain't the one by himself. That's unfortunate, too, because he he was a better – how much is how much do you factor in the injury too? I know where you're going, Zeke, him, and you. So you don't you don't question the injury at all. At it's all. all Zeke. It's it's the the two headed monster. Like I don't think he's a one A running back. Like it it you gotta be a different kind of guy to, to be, carry to that ball twenty five times a game yeah. for seventeen games. Sure. So yeah. Yeah. I'll go blank myself. question number two from the 618 which will happen first the cards make it to a world series or the dallas cowboys make it to a super bowl gotta be the cardinals i think so too gotta be the cardinals the dallas cowboys look like they are when i watched that game man that was some of the worst football at home like Jimmy Johnson at halftime was oh, so fired up. That was great. It was amazing, wasn't it? He was yeah. so fired up about what he was watching from that Dallas Cowboys team. They should have went into the half. They should have went into halftime with zero points on the board if Campbell for the freaking Packers catches the pick at the goal line. The linebacker, yeah, Devondre Campbell. Devondre Campbell. He, mm-hmm. he drops it. They shouldn't have scored at all. Yeah. They looked out of sorts. They looked unprepared. They looked, they looked like one of the worst teams I've ever seen in an NFL playoff game that I can recall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, the Eagles were pretty bad. Well, the Eagles were on the road. <laughs> That's true. The Dallas Cowboys were at home versus the worst team to get to the playoffs, essentially. Yeah. The seventh seed. They, they, they're playing the worst. The Packers got in with a quarterback that ain't played 20 games in his career. He also was red hot, though. I get Over it. Over eight games. It's, it's not like wonderful. it was two games. Just stop telling me that you're America's team then. Yeah, I gotcha, I gotcha. I still think it's the Cowboys, though. The you Cowboys. the Cowboys get the, there the Cowboys, before first, the Cardinals? First of all, the Cowboys. What, what team made the playoffs last year? The Cowboys or the Cardinals? The Cowboys. What team was hosting a playoff game last this past season? What what team was the two seed? What are you, what are you saying? The Cowboys. Happened? The Cowboys. The Cardinals need an entire pitching staff. <laughs> they got three pitchers, Anthony. They okay. told you. That- <laughs> okay. Here's the thing, Anthony. I see where this is going. Okay. As much as we like to rip on the Cardinals, uh-huh. they aren't the Dallas Cowboys who continue to be fraudulent in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. Wait a minute. <laughs> this is a tougher question. Uh, I see what you're doing here, Marsh. At least the Cardinals have two World Series in my lifetime. Whereas the Cowboys, there you go. What year were you born, Marcy? Ninety six. Oh yeah, you you. <laughs> Carrie and I saw him win four times. I did. I saw him. Man, that must have yeah. sucked watching those teams. Yeah, they're pretty fun. Yeah. Honestly. I I, I didn't like it. They, I was a, I was a 49ers fan. I hated it. See, I was. Oh, I hated it. Well, I was an I was an you, idiot Falcon fan, so I was not rooting for the 49ers. Well, you were a Dion oh, fan. I was a Dion fan, and I was ticked when he I went to the too. Niners. I was happy. I was ticked when he went to the Niners. When he went to the Cowboys, I'm like, at least at least it's not the 49ers. I was mad when he went to the Cowboys. Very disappointed in him. Niners. It's funny too because I respect Bill Walsh. I I just admire what he's yeah. what he did. But that this is now in my adulthood. When I was a kid, I hated <laughs> the Niners. Question number three. 
From the 314, if Lamar Jackson loses this game, what does it say about him? He would be one and four in the playoffs. I it would say that he's got he's got an issue. He's got a playoff problem. There, you really can't dispute that. No. If if you lose to the Texans and the Texans have been a great story, they've mm-hmm. been fantastic. We Probably love the watching. Story of the year. They've been the, the story of the year. Yeah. Nobody had the I the closest anybody got it within like our show was me saying they're better than what you think. Yeah, I did not have them in the playoffs. No. I did not have them in the, the winning the division. I did not have them winning a playoff game. But if you still if you lose to that team. And your playoff record is what it is. You've got a playoff problem if you're Lamar. Yeah, you do. I, I think when we had our, we were doing our gridiron guys when they beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. Speaking of the Texans, I think I said at that point that that let it let me know about Jacksonville, but it really let me know about Houston yeah. beating them in Jacksonville. If you're the Baltimore Ravens, a you're not going to lose this game. <laughs> you, you should. You, you should not lose this game unless something catastrophic takes place. Lamar Jackson. Better offensive coordinator, better offense, better team than what the Houston Texans are bringing to the table uh, this weekend. So I don't think they should win. But if it does, if they find a way to lose this game, if the Ravens find a way to lose this game, you definitely look at Lamar and and question, well, what the hell is going on with you, sir? Mm -hmm. Question number four. What is your problem? From the 314, now that the Pick'em Challenge is over, are you and the Riz Show cool again? I hate when mommy and daddy fight. <laughs> well, here's the thing. We never start the fight. We always finish it. So if they're done squabbling, then are. we're done. They sent it sounds a, like they're done. They sent the concession speech. Yeah, they sent sorts. a very so-so yeah. will concede. Yeah. Could have been better. It could have been better. Yeah. And the person I blame is the leader. If you're Riz, <laughs> you got to take charge. You're the leader. You're the one everybody's looking at. We could talk about Moon complaining constantly. We could talk about Learn manipulating situations. We could talk about Rafe doing his thing. Just cracking a joke. <laughs> Just cracking a time. joke from time to time. We could talk about King Scott and that beautiful mame of hair. It is wonderful. It is but you're the leader. You got to set the tone. Yeah. So when uh, when your crew is complaining constantly mm. after losses. Mm. Starts at the top, as they say. That's your fault. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, we're cool. Yeah. And we will. We, we do have to come to a consensus here on what that photo shoot is going to look like. Oh, yeah. You should get some texts and get some ideas. Absolutely. Start sending them in. Because our victory as mu- as much as is as much as your victory. It is. It's as much as your victory as it is our Indeed. victory. Mm-hmm. When you're a fast lane listener, even the even the six one eight who was constantly rooting against us, still your victory, six one eight. Because you're a fast lane listener and we appreciate you. Yep. Question number five. Send us your ideas for that photo shoot. From the 404, I know you guys won't answer my question because you ignore my area code. (laughs) I love these. But I'd like somebody to tell me why the Blues don't shoot the puck when they have clear opportunities. Last night was a good example. They look like a couple of kids in college playing passing games when they should shoot the puck and go for the rebound. Yelling it loud enough. (laughs) <laughs> um, this, this will obviously be a better question for Jamie and Marsh first of all I, lo- I love when you read those and it happens a fair amount that's why I love it you guys won't answer my question when Jamie has talked about this in the past it is just a matter of getting being cute 
like being too cute, looking for that extra pass, trying to set up a teammate, thinking he might have a better opportunity than the one that's in front of you. If I just make that one extra pass, it's going to be an easier or a clearer shot attempt as opposed to just getting the puck to the net and taking your shot from there. That is what Jamie has said in the past. Mm -hmm. We obviously don't know when when you're on the ice. It's happening fast. It's happening fast. It's happening in real time. You, you don't have the benefit of of hindsight. You're you're not breaking down from a 200 foot view how it's looking like. But when Jamie's talked about it in the past, again, it's getting it's getting a little too cute. One extra pass, and then that that window closes too quickly. And sometimes you have to be selfish. Uh, you have to be the one to shoot it as opposed to trying to make the perfect play. Yep. Sometimes the perfect play is the shot on, on goal. No doubt. And maybe there's a rebound there. No doubt. Then you put the puck in the net. Preferably. Get in the I mean, you don't hear people at the arena yelling, pass! Pass no. it! You don't. Pass no. the puck! If people... Actually, some people do. <laughs> some people do. Some people Some people yell the, the pass. Like, pass the puck. Right. You know, instead of skating it out of the zone and losing it at the blue line. You never want to turn the puck over at your blue line or the other team's blue line. No, you're right. You got to clear that thing. Like, move the puck. Maybe it's not pass the puck. It's just move the puck. Move the puck. Move it. You know, we're standing behind the net for five seconds too long. Yeah. Maybe the puck gets flipped out of out of play, and now you're on the penalty kill. I've oh. seen it happen many times. Marsh, you're not wrong, man. You're not wrong. Or just shoot the puck. Yeah, or they could do that, too. Yep. <laughs> Question number Preferably. six. All right, a lot of texters like the idea of the DeWitts selling the cards. Oh, wow. The 314. Why don't you... Like the idea of the DeWitts selling the team. We'll tell you next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. So our last question, the sports six pack was about the Cardinals ownership group. And there's a lot of Marsh. I don't want to say a lot of people, but there's, there's like this growing sentiment that if, if, if things are really going to change with the Cardinals and their spending habits and being more aggressive and all that, then it's got to be an ownership change. Why aren't you guys on board with that? Because you could do something first. I have said this in the past. A lot of you think that the Cardinals care about what idiots like me say. They mm-hmm. don't. What do they care about? You. There you go. Carrie, uh, not you, but no. you listening that's a Cardinals yeah. fan that's okay. willing to spend. But they, I'm sure they care about you as a human. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, they care about you filling their stadium. They care about you being interested in the product. Why are they profitable? Year in and year out. Because you care. Because 3 million people show up to games. They go through the turnstiles. You guys go through the turnstiles. You watch them. They collect. Go and they've the session got stand. parking, all that. Yeah. You go to Ballpark Village. If money. you don't like the product and you're texting in to these airwaves, yelling at me or yelling at Carrie or yelling at Marsh or Jamie or any of the other shows, we're not doing our job holding Mo accountable. You're delusional. I'm sorry. You are. You are delusional. Mm. 
you matter more than I do. You matter more than Carrie and Marsh and Jamie and everybody else on this these airwaves because you can make a difference about whether or not the Cardinals are going to change the philosophy. Otherwise, you've got great ownership that do care, but they're making money. And they're in it to make money. Yes. Okay. Because I think that that part gets left out sometimes or or misunderstood because they the, the notion that they should spend, as we said, like the L.A. Dodgers, like some like the New York Mets or the Yankees, because you want to win a championship. That's your mindset as a fan. That's not their mindset as a as a as the owner of a team. I think it is. But but you're right. It, it's it's also to make money. Like to I make think the, money. I think the ownership cares about the team winning. Uh, yeah, but uh, okay. In relation to them, more winning, more about know, making, making money. money or more about winning championships. I you know I don't look. I don't know the Dewitts. Okay. I I do believe that it, it they are diehard baseball fans. Mm-hmm. But you don't get to where you are without being smart with your with your investments. Exactly. So you don't overspend on things and lose out on money. Right. So for me and I don't know I don't know them either. I don't know if it's the the percentages one over the other, but I do know that they are in business to have business and make money. Yeah. And I think anyone that They like owning the team. But at the end of the day, they also like making money from the, the, the ownership of the team. Right. That's what I mean. Oh, they, yeah. <laughs> they, they like owning the team. There you go. Because so they want to be perks. profitable. There you yes. go. At the end of the day. At the end of the day. At the end of the day. Yes. It, it, that's important to them. And so I'm not saying ta- you hit the nail on the head. If you don't like how things are going collectively, the best way to go about it is to stop showing up. Mm-hmm. I think the Cardinal fans did a did that last year. I thought when you looked at some of those games in, in late July, August, you could see well, there ain't a lot of people there. And the attendance they 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 put on the board, maybe that's it. Maybe that's tickets sold and people just didn't come. Right. But at some point, that number will be lower as well because the tickets won't be sold mm-hmm. and they also won't be coming. So think you in order to to get your point across with anything, you have to make your point loud and clear. Here's the thing though, this is just my opinion. Wouldn't they then not spend on players because there aren't people coming through and they're not making the money that they did so why would they spend then they have to go a different route sure i don't think that's a i don't think that's a bad idea we're just all we're just talking about winning right i mean that that's i think we 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 spend way too much time talking about spending because we think it equates to winning it may a la the rangers it may not a la the padres the mets and the diamondbacks it might help you it might not, but you have to build a winner. Here's the thing, though. like Those teams are spending ludicrous amount of money on multiple players. Multiple players, yeah. right? This team, like they can find ways to spend a decent amount of money on one guy and then supplement them with better talent, though. They don't do that. But this is the right... Exactly. Exactly. It's not. Maybe you and I are saying the same things, but in different ways. I think for you, Marsh, and correct me if I'm wrong. I think for you, the idea is supplement with. You don't have to spend the big time money, but supplement on other free agents. Yes. Bring in other guys that are complimentary. Right. Yes. To me, I have always believed. You draft those guys. That's that, yes. You need to do that too. They don't do any of it. 
they, they, they have from drafted a, him. They have from a player from yeah, a position. They traded him. <laughs> this goes back to our earlier conversation. When you overly invest in your offense, like the Cardinals have, and you're willing to sell your soul to get that offense, there are consequences. The bill came due. The bill came due last year, guys. For the not for the Randy. Talk about the Randy or Rosarina trade all you want. I don't care. The bill came due on the Sandy Alcantara and Zach Gallen mm-hmm. trade, guys. Well, then why do other teams have good offenses and they also have good pitching? Like, you have to be smarter and have the foresight to sure. know that your pitching in five years from the amount of time that they made the Ozuna trade right. is not. You have to have the foresight. They didn't. You're right. You're you're absolutely right. What I'm saying is they they went all. I'm not saying you can only have one or the other. What I'm saying is they they invested wholly in the offense. Yeah, they invested wholly in the off all the resources. And the offense would strand runners. Correct. So is the <laughs> offense even really that great? Well, I've asked that before too. I've I've asked that before. Are we sure the offense is good? Because it, it actually didn't have a good year last year. But if you invest all of it in your offense and you try to mix and match with your your pitching the results can be disastrous but like you said all right the Braves the Braves have good pitching the Braves yeah they got they drafted Spencer Strider and a dude's a stud and everything else falls into place from from that the Dodgers have good pitching that yeah because they've drafted guys like Clayton Kershaw and Walker Bueller and Julio Urias before you know he decided to be a piece of crap off the field like they've drafted us and then supplemented is it is it fair though? Because the Cardinals, they they Jack Flaherty was supposed to be one of those guys. Alex Reyes was supposed to be one of those guys. If you have injuries, you you don't know who's going to be hurt or not perform at the level that you expect them to. It's fair. But Sandy Alcantara got hurt last year. He he, he missed time. So sure. you don't know. Marlins when, still made the playoffs. They, well, they probably got some other guys that were pitching pretty well. <laughs> And as the text line would say, they had a pretty good manager, too. Oh, yeah, yeah we get they had a good manager. That. They've, they've got a good manager. I, Our manager's horrendous and awful Ollie. and all that. <laughs> they blame Ollie for everything. Notice the sarcasm. Yeah, there. I know. They, yes, they do. But you, you don't know when guys are not going to perform to the level of that expectation. True. So if you, were, you had four guys and you chose to keep these two as opposed to those two, it, it, it happens. Well, that's part of the decision making. You made. Yeah. You just made a great point, Kerry. You made a great point there. They chose to make that Ozuna trade and give up some pitching, yeah. believing but that Jack Flaherty team. and uh, who's the other guy that Luke Weaver. And yeah. You go back. They had Carlos Martinez. They, Carlos Martinez. That is the crux of the Cardinals' issues in these trades, Randy. I said it at the time. The Randy Arena trade will be as much about Harrison Bader, Tyler O'Neill, and what other other outfielder they had at the time than it will be about Matthew Libertor. Mm-hmm. Go back. I said it. When 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 Randy A was going off in the playoffs, I go, these other outfielders better perform. Why? It goes back to the quarterback conversation. What do you have? They chose the other guys right. over him. They chose the other pitchers over Alcantara and Gallon. So when you say carry, and you're right, hey, you know, can you blame them? They got hurt. Yeah, you picked them. You went that route. <laughs> well, and you talked about, you know, like a, a for sure thing. I think that's why some people, they want certain free agents because those guys have proven 
that they can perform at the highest level yeah. when it matters. Mm-hmm. And this team relies on hope. We had a nickname for it for the entire year, Rhode Island, right? That's what right. this team is. Like They just hope that some of these players will will sure. end up playing well. And when they don't, you get a season like last they're, year. They're going to make the same mistake this year. Well, yeah, like, wh- We're seeing it. Why are you going? This is the thing I was talking about foresight. Why are you going into this offseason with three open spots for your starting pitching? Mm-hmm. Why? Yeah. You need a foresight to know that you need to find other guys three years. You know, get those guys on contracts. It, it doesn't excuse what you just said. I'm not making excuses. People are going to take it this way. But I think they finally realized that. That's why you saw the deals that they made at the deadline. That's why it was so important to get pitching at the deadline. I don't know if those guys are going to pan out. I do know you need more bites at the apple, though. The Cardinals, everybody, everybody's sick and tired of my grocery store analogy, so I'll stop using it. <laughs> Just one more time it's for, still for old app, time's sake. <laughs> it's still app. If you, if you say, we're good, we got that one position filled, Okay, you better be pretty good with that shot. Because if you don't hit me between the eyes, you don't have another bullet. Right. I think what they're trying to do with the trades that they made last year, coupled with the, the guys that they have coming up, the McGreevies, the Tinkenses, all the you know, uh, jerpies, now it's the shotgun approach. I know two of you are going to get hurt. I know two of you are not going to pitch well. I know two of you are going to be average. But my God, if I get two great ones out of you or one great one, okay. Now we can go from there. Right. Shotgun approach. This Cardinals team is like, now nah, we're good. We got a pitcher. <laughs> Set. Yeah, one shot. Man, you ain't a sniper. You haven't been a sniper in a long time. Mm-mm. All right, we'll move on. I think we were talking about ownership there. I don't know where we got. Made a turn. Yeah, we made a turn. It's okay. Uh, it's the fast lane on 101 ESPN. Biggest question of the day next. Back to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for the Fast Lane's biggest question of the day. All right, time for the biggest question of the day. Uh, Carrie, you had read off a text that was directed at me that was uh, very heated. This person is very upset with me. Very so we figured, we figured let's do the, this is the biggest question of the day. All right, here we go. From the 206, hey, Anthony, please tell me who's the guy. Who's the pitcher available that makes you satisfied that we are legit? You day in and day out troll these BFIB and you piss us realistic fans off who understand this ain't L.A., Chicago, or New York. First of all, speak for yourself. Don't talk about anybody else. <laughs> Second of all, there is no guy. You're missing. You have missed my point that I have made. You clearly listen every day because you say so, but you miss my point each each and every time. I've never been about free agent spending. I've never been. I've never been. Been you know about taking the the top guy. I think that's fool's gold. So there is no guy. You need to develop aces. You need to develop those guys. I appreciate you saying that this is in L.A., Chicago, one of the big markets. I think that's fantastic. You're absolutely right. I don't think you should compare yourself to the Dodgers. Mm -hmm. I don't think you should compare yourself to the Yankees, the Astros, the Braves, or the Phillies. You're absolutely right. You're not going to spend that way. But if you think that I'm going to sit here and play patty cake and say that what they have done is okay, you're sadly mistaken. 
I'm not talking about spending. I am talking about building an actual contender. I don't think what the Phillies do works. The Mets took that same approach. Didn't work. Didn't work. The Padres took that same approach. Yeah, not working. It's the they're, they're trying to do the ultimate cheat code. I have said this before. The Padres tried to cut corners. Mm. You have to develop aces like the Cardinals have done. I've talked about the fundamental approach of selecting pitchers, grooming them, and having them ready to go when you need them. I've talked about the mistakes the Cardinals have made since 2019. It's not about one offseason. I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to get me to say, well, Blake Snell. Blake Snell will get them. I wouldn't even say that. I wouldn't say Blake Snell puts you over the top. Jordan Montgomery? No. Okay. I don't think Dylan Cease puts you over the top. They're not one guy away. They are a pitching staff away. I've been consistent on this. So you can be mad at me all you want. You can have hurt feelings all you want. But I'm not going to sit here and say that this roster is okay when it's not. It's painfully average. There's not there's not one guy on the market. You're right. But come on, man. You act like I haven't laid this out 750 times before. It's not about one offseason. It's not about one blanket signing. My team's trying now. <laughs> Stop. Build a pitching staff. Go ahead. We got a text from the 314. Hi, Anthony. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. I appreciate the comment, man. I do. I do. But you ain't listening. Or you're missing my point. Or I'm not delivering my point because I'm not that smart. One of the options. I think think your point is uh, well taken. I have said this consistently. Through drafts and develop Correct. your players, and then hey, oh, don't trade them away. Don't trade them away. Supplement the talents. If you try to go the the, the same route as some of these other teams, you're gonna fail miserably. Yeah. Because you're right. It doesn't work. Two oh one or whatever the hell. Two oh six. Two oh six. You're right. Two oh six. You're not the Dodgers. You're not the Phillies. You're not the Braves. You're absolutely right. I don't pretend the Cardinals are. But I'm not going to sit here and say like some of these other people, well, you just get Blake Snell or you just get Dylan Cease. That's not going to solve the problem. Understand why you lose. Understand why you win. This is a, a mistake that they've made since 2019. Bill came due last week or last season. I've been consistent about this. If you feel the same way as a 206 that I just sit here and complain about the Cardinals not being the Dodgers, you ain't listening either. Mm. And I'm sorry I hurt your feelings. I'm not going to do the. Th- I'm not going to do the thing. I'm not. I'm not going to do the thing. And I'm not trolling Cardinals fans on this. I'm not. My message has been clear. Build through the draft. There you go. Develop. All right. Am I, am I off way. on that? No. You guys hold me accountable. I think you're pretty right. Thank you, Kerry. Hey, spending a lot of money doesn't equate championships. It doesn't all. It doesn't always. No. Because then you get the one text. Really? What about the Rangers? Yeah, there's okay. an exception to every Slow rule. down. Yeah. What about the Rams? <laughs> what about the Rams? <laughs> the hell with those picks. In terms of like build, drafting and building? No, and all they, that. they, they Rams. spent money and they went out and got a bunch of players and they mm-hmm. won a Super Bowl. The hell Bowl. with those picks. When you have a quarterback, it, it, it masks for a lot. There, there are exceptions to every rule. Let's talk about that, though. Because you bring up a really good point. It's a really good counter. 
the Rams, what did they not have? You watched them on Sunday night. What did they not have? A defense. A defense. The defense isn't good enough. They don't. They, they started to get really banged up. They didn't have the depth. They still lost by one. They still lost by one. Sure, because they're well coached and they got a quarterback. Stafford's a stud. McVay's a stud. But they didn't have the depth. That's what happens when you don't have the draft picks. You don't have the draft capital. Now give Les Snead credit, man. You find a Puka Nakua to overcome what you, which uh, Cooper Cup does not look like the same guy. Nah. You just replace them. Like that's a, that's outstanding draft. So with the re- small resources that they did have, they got Nakua now for four or five years, not paying him. Mm-hmm. This is my point about drafting and developing. Screw your spending. Cost control players, young cost control players that are going to give you their best in their prime. Well, before they hit contracts, before they hit free agency, Correct. before they have to get paid hundreds of millions of dollars. And soak up your cap space you or soak up your budget. Yep. It's not about paying the 31-year-old because the fan base feels a little better about the fact that they got the the, the, the top five guy in ESPN's top 100 list. Screw that. It comes Build a winner. It, you have to draft and you have to develop. That that That's the basis of any team. The lifeblood. It, it's hard to get a group of guys together that have never played together and expect them to become champions. Hired from mercenaries. From a different, different organization, different, from a different mindset, yes. different culture. It's a great point. Bringing them in to be under the same umbrella and have the same mind. I've been doing this for eight years. I don't do it that way. Yeah. I've been doing this for six years. I don't do it. It's a difference. Yep. But if you bring those guys up through your system, teaching them your culture, showing them how you all do things, that's what makes championship teams. Now, I won't speak well, for St. Louis. That would be irresponsibly. <laughs> that would be irresponsible <laughs> of me mm-hmm. to do. But I think this in my opinion, and maybe other people agree with it, they've seen the Cardinals not develop and draft Leading up to, I'm not going to mention Jordan Walker and Mason Wynn. It looks like they got some good guys in the pipeline. Victor Scott. Victor Scott. I'm excited to see what they will do here in a few years. But (laughs) leading up to that point, Mm -hmm. they didn't do that. So you got Kyle Gibson and you got when you prove to the fan base that your development is not up to snuff mm-hmm. the first thing you think of okay well we just need to spend money then we need to spend money like the Phillies right you know last year yeah the Mets spent and, and the Padres spent why did they do that because the Phillies spent the year before and went to the World Series mm-hmm. the Rangers just spent won the World Series mm-hmm. some teams do it better than others I would like to think that if it's, the Cardinals spent, they would they would maybe do better than others. Do you do you though? No. But there you go. Because what is <laughs> it about? I want to think that. But no, no, Marsh. What is it about? You're absolutely right. I I think they have a problem at at identifying talent when it comes to the free agent market and within the organization. There you go. So they need to fix that. There you go. I like Sonny Gray a lot. I, I think Lance Lynn's a bulldog. I think Kyle Gibson's a nice fit. But what I. But, what I what I'm saying is is that people might think that narrative now is, well, okay, they're not going to develop these players in the right way, so the next best thing is to spend like these other teams. And I, I can understand why people want them to spend. I, I, I understand that thought process behind it because then you get the, then you just get the, you get the, you get the homework that's already been done for you. It, it's, but it's cheaper to, to draft and develop. 
It is, and I think I still think it's a better way to build. Yeah. Now I'm not saying never spend. I'm not saying never make a trade. You supplement when you know you have a good roster, not to fill holes. The Cardinals fill holes. Free agency to me is about supplementing your roster. They use it to fill holes. Yeah. yeah trade there, deadline same deals. Right. <laughs> I do want to thank the 206 here. I do want to thank he the said, 206. They said thank you as well. 206, you got my blood boiling. I freaking <laughs> love it. I do. Seriously. I think that was a I think that was a great text. I appreciate it. I'm never going to back down on something like that. I love it, man. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sending it. Got me up out of my chair. You yeah. got ranting out. Yeah. 206, well done, man. Well done. <laughs> Seriously, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. I, I don't think spending on free agency. I don't think comparing yourself to the Dodgers. Line. You're absolutely right, 206. I'm with you. Seriously. Whew, I feel good. Yeah, you got that out? I feel, I feel good. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, How uh, unfortunate that the uh, show is coming to a close. That's right. But we still got plenty of time. <laughs> to get your criticisms, your compliments, and some three stars in. Next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Fast Lane Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. If you missed anything from today's show, you can always download the podcast available at 101ESPN.com or your 101ESPN mobile app brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We got to do bet the board. Jamie sent his pick in. He sees an absolute shootout between the Maple Leafs and Oilers tonight. So he's got the over six and a half in that matchup. Kerry? I'm going to go Clippers over. Uh, they are laying six and a half versus the Thunder. I'm going to go there. So Clippers laying, nice. laying the six and a half against the Suns. You got the Clippers? Versus the Thunder. Or Please. Thunder, excuse Please. me. Marsh? All right, I'm going to go Avalanche. I'm going to go Avalanche minus 118 against the Senators. I don't know why that, that money line is that low, but Senators have had plenty, or uh, Avalanche have had plenty of success against the Senators. They're 7-2-1. Their last 10 games are Colorado. I think it's a good spot just to take the Avs on the road. I'm going to do college basketball tonight. Charlotte over Rice. It's at minus 140. Okay. Got the Charlotte versus Rice. <laughs> Throughout the records, man. The Charlotte uh, 49ers? Yeah. Yeah. And the Rice Owls, Owls get together. Yeah. yeah. All right, Marsh, what do you got? Criticisms, compliments, three stars. Which way you want to go? We'll do uh, we'll do one uh, compliment real quick. I like the NFL being talked more with Kerry on the radio. All right. I like talking to the NFL, too. Thank you. And then our three stars of the day. Our number three star from the 618 a suggestion for the Riz Show. Have them dress up as babies and all hold baby powder slash various diaper rash creams, etc. because they're sore losers. Like That's it. a pretty good one. That's really That's going to be tough. That's the one to beat. Yep. Our second star of the day is Ranthony. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Good job, Ranthony. Well, thank you to the 206 bringing him out. <laughs> Ranthony with so, our second star of the day. 206 gets that uh, second star. And our first star of the day with a gauntlet win in baseball. Carrie Davis. Yes, CD. Nice job. You had all of them right except for the last one there. I just went out on a limb on that one. That's okay. At least he was one of the options. Stan the Man was one of the options. Made me feel better that we both chose Stan the Man. I could either be both of us right or both of us wrong. And you took down Todd, who was our original Gauntlet 1.0 champion. Nice work. Uh, We will be back tomorrow. Andrew Marsh, Carrie Davis, Anthony Stalter. I don't know if Jamie is. He's in. He might Maybe. be in on the from the, the road. road. Yeah, we'll figure it out. We've got an instant replay coming up right now, though, so we appreciate everybody texting in and tuning in. Thank you. See you.
You've been listening to the Fast Lane Podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.